Hello, hello. Howdy, howdy. Howdy. How's it going? I'm doing good. 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 Hello to you. Hello back. Yes. Done and done. Well done. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, thank you. Yeah, we've done it. We know what we're doing. We've done it all. We've done the hardest part, and that the hardest part is saying hello. (laughs) Once you've done that, get on with things. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. Damn right you are. And let no one tell ye different. Well, so far, so far, no one have ever has. No, so. well, it's only the two of us, so I'd be the only person who uh, oh. who would. <laughs> well, it's been in my yeah. my general life as well. You don't you don't trail me wherever I go. So that is that is a that is a good point. That's a, <laughs> that's, a that's a fair point. Uh, I, I, I'm going to apologize off the top for uh, this has been a week of pan- pandemic brain. Pandemic brain. It's been a week. Oh, it's just been. I haven't got a pen. I'm not. Uh, I haven't got the disease, as far as I know. But okay. just the uh, being inside, I've uh, I've just gone. I've gone a little squirrely. I've oh. gone a little. There's been some things that have just gone. Huh. Well, that's uh, that's I, that's not your brain working right. Okay, <laughs> really? So that's hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I had, I had. Interesting. Yeah, I had one thing uh, earlier this week where I I woke up in uh, my wife's closet. I actually did a little sleepwalking this week. Wow! Or I just got, or I just got confused. Yeah. Uh, in the night, it could have been one of the two things. And, and thought you, and thought you were a dress. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that could be. Yeah. Or it could have been a nice pair of slacks. A nice pair of slacks is good um, too. No, what I know, it's one of those things where, like, when you see a movie, and you're like, "Oh, this person's in trouble." It's when they go into the closet and start to pee. <laughs> That's the one, right? That's the sign. They're like, "Oh, this person, man." Mm, uh, so, you know, I was very aware of that, like afterwards, I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. But, but what I think happened was, because um, it was like uh, pitch black in the room, pretty much. And, and the, the door to the bathroom is uh, very similar to the door to the closet. It's a sliding door. Okay. They're both in a corner. So I think what happened was I was like so blitzed, uh, tired beyond tired. Yeah. Uh, that I like got up. Yeah. Took a turn or something, saw the corner, thought it was that yeah. corner, opened the door, and because it's pitch black inside, mm. that's how the bathroom is too. Yeah. And I don't want to wake up uh, my wife, so I shut the door, and then I, I, I turn on the light is how I do it, but the light switch isn't there. So I'm like, oh, the light switch not there. Yeah. And I go, well, I know there's another light switch over here, so I go for that one. No yeah. dice on that one either. Yeah. And something's amiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, with enough fiddling, uh, I figure out like, oh wait, you're in the wrong place. Oh shit. I'm in a closet. Oh fuck. This is no good. Uh, and then, yeah, then I, uh, I went to, to the other side. And then in the morning I'm asking, uh, Pia, if like, what, what did that look like to you? Did you wake up during that? She said, yeah, I did. You just look like, you know, you were like, what? <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's just, it's probably swearing. And then I went, like, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pee on her clothing. That's good. We didn't go That's full, good. full thing. So I'm not sure. It could have been, it could have been sleepwalking. It could have yeah. just been a little bit of confusion. It could have been, I don't know what. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just this mental uh, exhaustion slash, wah. 
you know, thing. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, Dave, I'm now in the closet. <laughs> That's right. Get out of the closet, I Tom. To I'm not that. in the closet. I wanted to announce that okay. in public. Yeah. In the closet. That's fine. That's good. Well, I'm glad, glad you went into the closet because no one puts Boothby in a corner. But There you are. What you know that experience also, made me think is that you've you've actually like lived out a Charlie Brown experience if he was like older and and you know you. Oh, explain. Well, this it kind of felt like something that would happen to Charlie Brown if he was like older. Like we wouldn't get that kind of story about him as a kid, but would you know, he, would he stuck it. Would he like have walked into a club? Yeah, it just kind of walked. In, it just the whole thing where you're just kind of like, what? Oh, what's going on? You know, just your whole reaction to it just seemed like so. Except, uh, of course, Charlie Brown would. Well, I don't. I want to say Charlie Brown wouldn't get up to pee because he would have prostate problems, probably. Um, Yes. But the idea that Charlie Brown has to urinate bothers me. I don't like that. I don't care for that. What's Uh, wrong with that? Well, I've never seen a toilet in the Charlie Brown universe, so I've only got to assume that uh, there isn't any and they don't have to. Didn't – wasn't there – wait. Wasn't there an episode where Snoopy goes to school in the guise of Joe Cool and there's some part in in a bathroom? Could have been, but that could have just been them washing their hands. For lunch. Okay. It might have been a bathroom that just is hand washing. <laughs> okay, that's all it's for. Just to, well, it's called the bathroom. It makes sense. Yeah. Do you think Snoopy, when he goes to pee, does he go inside the doghouse and he's got a little bathroom in there? Or do you think he pees like outside like a dog? <sighs> I think he can go either way. <laughs> like, I think he can, sometimes he can just let it all hang out. But then also he has like, you know, he has a, it, you know what he has? He has the Van Gogh, right? He also yeah. has, he also has Fountain, the, uh. That Dada is piece by um can't remember who did it now. You know the one I'm talking about though, right? It's not, it's signed R. It's I know it's got, got a Van Gogh and I know it's got a pool table. That's what I. It's signed R Mutt. It's like a urinal, but it's just been signed R Mutt M U T T like R dot M U T T and then and then that that's the that's the whole piece. And now I can't remember the name of the artist that did it now. Uh, if I thought about it for a while, he was a Dadaist. Hence the ridiculousness of it. Here's a question I have for you because I always like to ask questions of you. Um, <laughs> Snoopy. Snoopy. S- Snoopy. Yeah. Uh, um, is he a time lord? Because here's the thing. Yeah. One, he's clearly got a TARDIS. He's got access to a TARDIS. Why? Also, I believe Oscar. Oscar. So you think the doghouse is a TARDIS? Yeah, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I just thought it was. So I just thought it went down a long ways. You think that you think. Think that uh, when Charlie Brown built the doghouse for Snoopy, he dug a basement. No, no. Snoopy brought in contractors later. Snoopy brought in contractors uh-huh. later on. Okay. Okay. So, and then he uh, dug a big basement, and then uh, yeah, and then had it paved. Put a pool in. His, uh, had yeah, a pool a table pool installed. In yeah. Well, it seems to me it's very targety. Also, uh, it feels like Snoopy has lived a lot of lives. Like he has a lot of personalities. He's had a lot of lives. <laughs> And, you know, he might just be remembering these lives that, that he used to have. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, admittedly, the Time Lord goes through the lives, you know, in order. Yeah. That's right. Admittedly, it's not quite the same, but all right. Go on. Yeah. But he is definitely, you know, it's very strange that a dog yeah. who was born, I don't care when he was born, mm-hmm. but he was born, you know, he's, not, he's no older than five. So, you know, I mean, Peanuts came out in the 50s. So sure. he was born... At best, during World War II, okay. has 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 just you know a clear as day memories of World War One. Like he knows. Well, I don't. I don't think he has like clear as day memories. The smell of the biplane. He's got a. He's got a, a revenge <laughs> fantasy against the Red Baron. Sure. Yeah. Where's this yeah. coming from? If he has no access to 
uh, time travel. I think I think popular entertainment of the time. Do you think? Like, I think he's just reflecting. One movies. I do think he's yeah. I think he's just reflecting on like a popular culture of that time period. You know. Now I'm not saying he doesn't like popular culture because yeah. he's a mystery writer. Yeah. Like you're, you're <laughs> yeah, that's right. All his all his uh, stories take place on a dark and stormy night. Yeah, they take place dark and stormy night. True, but he has like like it's different when all of a sudden he's like in his World War One uh, mode. Yeah, because he like imagines going to the bar and drinking root beer. Yeah, yeah, but there would have been no root beer he served to truly love. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's all it's, it's all like cliches of of wartime. And there would have been no root beer served in an actual bar in 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 France. So he's not he's he's not drinking root beer. He's just he's just like it's like a kid's imagination of what it would be like to be a World War One flying ace. It's very strange. Like in the so when kids are fantasizing. Okay, so you're a child and you're fantasizing about fighting the Red Bear. Sure. Who who wins? You. You, you're a kid. You're fighting the Red Baron. Well, you're it, imagining you win. That's where Snoopy. Yes, is always, you know, curse you, Red Baron. Sure, like he loses. Yeah, and he has, he has to drink his troubles away in the bar. <laughs> We're drinking root French beer, girl. Yeah, yeah, drinking root beer and, and rejecting her love because yeah. he's a dog and she's a little girl. So that ain't, <laughs> ain't freaking happening. Well, so yeah. you know, we're not even getting close to that in children's world. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's he's dealing with a lot of pain of loss and like that's not a kid's fantasy. No, like, I disagree. I disagree with you. Like, I'm going to fight no. Lex Luthor and lose badly. I, I'm going to dream fantasize about fighting you know the Green Goblin and lose. No, you don't. It depends on your person. It depends on your personality. Like I, okay. you know, like I think, like lots of times, if you're playing like a Western kind of scenario, or whatever, you would get shot by the bad guy. That was part of the dramatic, you know, maison scène that you're you're trying to make. You know, that the the dramatic death, you know, by 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 whatever. You know, like I I think that, and also here's the thing: it's not that funny if he wins. It's funny. If his doghouse that he's sitting on goes down in flames, like that's a that's a good, that's a great image. Him him like flying in victory isn't like you know no one likes a winner. Everyone like everyone likes the the, the underdog or the under beagle in this case. Okay, but I, okay. you know I think there's like I, I you know I don't I don't want to make I don't want to make like put in uh, put intentions into what Charles Schultz was doing, but I think you know I just feel like it was I don't feel like it's a real war you know like i don't i think it's like a romanticized ver- version of world war one which is weird because he actually did drive an ambulance in world war Two, right so he had wartime experience um and i don't imagine it was very glamorous what he was doing was he a conscientious objector do you know i'm just wondering uh, why he drove an, i'm just wondering why he drove an ambulance rather than was a was an actual on the ground fighting person Often that was a place where conscientious objectors would go go into as uh, acting as medics, because then you didn't, you weren't in, you didn't have to carry a rifle. I, I don't have any information on that. I've looked up the word Schultz and conscientious objector, mm. and uh, Charles Schultz does not come up. Okay, as the first couple of entries there, so it came up with so, Sar- Sergeant yeah. Schultz from Hogan's Heroes was yes. a, also a conscientious objector. He was an un- <laughs> unconscientious. Objector. I see nothing. I see. Yeah, he's completely. He was an unconscious objector. Oh, very nice. Well played. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the first weird thing about uh, about the doghouse, aside from Snoopy sleeping on it. 
uh, yeah. was uh, he, he had a little uh, TV antenna. Mm. That was the first thing that made the house a little different. And then, uh, yeah. He's got uh, he's got a lot of stuff in there. He's got a Van Gogh. That's the, one of the greatest one of the greatest cartoons of all time is when this, the dog host burns down and he yeah. he uh, replaced my, Now were you saying an Andrew uh, Wyeth painting? No, I was not saying that. No, I was uh, mine was okay, uh, mine was, was a sculpture, so called. Okay, it was replaced by an Andrew Wyeth painting uh, when it was destroyed in the fire. That's also great. He's also got a ping pong table. He's got a basketball. Was it Anna's coach. world? Is that what it's called? Anna's world. The one, of the, good the one of the the one of the girls sitting in the field looking at the barn. Do you know that one? That that is that is possible. I don't know. I don't okay. specifically say which one it is. But here's here's my trivia question for you. Mm-hmm. He had a picture of a novelty singer. Well, who was the novelty singer that he had a picture of? Tiny Tim, of course. Correct. That would have yes. to that, that the most popular t- novelty singer of all time, or at least in that time period, where I imagine. Schultz would have been and he had a large that. supply of food. Mm. What type of food did Snoopy have in his doghouse? So it's not the bones he's crunching on in, in uh, the Christmas. No, it's thing. not the human femurs that he's eating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're cartoon bones, yeah. not the human femurs. Okay, sure, um... yeah. They're eating like Grendel. Yeah. Uh, let me just think. Let me think. He... Had a supply of, oh man, I'm just trying to, my brain is going like a whirlwind trying to think of what. Very large supply of these. Very large supply of, of these. Wow. Um, and I'm saying these, that might be a little trick, you know, letting you know. They like, you, you would not normally say that about food, but yeah, these. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess cookies. They are a large supply of TV dinners. <laughs> what is that? Huge amount of uh, TV dinners. That's yeah. I don't know. I don't don't like that. Why is that? Because then it takes away the whole purpose of him doing his supper time dance when Charlie Brown feeds him. He doesn't need to get mm. excited. He's got a whole bunch of stuff downstairs he could eat. What does he Maybe care about? A dog kind of dog well, food. I don't know if it's necessarily about food as about dinner time that he loves. Sure, but you know, part of that is you assume that. He hasn't had anything to eat. He's like any dog. He's famished the minute after he's eaten some food, and he, you know, and and for instance, my dog, Albert or Birdie, if he is hungry, he can't like go to his stash of TV dinners and eat some. And if he could, they would all be gone in a day, no matter how many he had. But you know, he can't. Like so, he's excited when like when dinner time comes around. He's very he's very happy. In fact, as soon as you like walk in the door, he starts whining at you for food, and he continues whining until you deliver the food. He's that excited, but you know that's because he just can't eat at will. You know. Yeah, maybe again. I know the song, uh, the summertime song, backwards and forwards, because I had the album. Um, and maybe I always picture you just enjoyed singing the song. The summertime <laughs> song. Sure, that's possible. Now, his house, his house has been destroyed in the past. Yeah. As we mentioned, of course, by the tragic fire. Yeah. That burned it down in 1966. Sure. Never forget. Don't forget the cat, um, cat's paw that went through it at one point. Well, now this this this, uh, this actually answers oh, a trivia question I was going to ask you. Oh. Uh, which was uh, uh, what has destroyed his house the most? And the answer, of course, is the cat next door. The cat, the cat next door has destroyed his house <laughs> quite a bit. It was also destroyed by Marcy. Really? Uh, when she tried to get Peppermint Patty to come down from its roof and go back to school. Okay. Uh, that broke. Uh, it was uh, destroyed a, a couple of times in blanket chases between Linus and Snoopy. 
Huh. Uh, first time in 1959. Mm. And also in a very dramatic, I think, week-long series of strips, uh, there was a giant icicle that was going like almost like the sort of <laughs> damically That's right. above That's right. uh, the house. And, uh, and Snoopy would come out. And then they finally got him out by doing what the man from the Humane Society said to do. And that saved his life because seconds afterwards, the icicle came down and smashed the house to pieces. What did uh, Lucy and Charlie Brown do to get Snoopy to come out of the house? Did they lure him out with food? They did lure him out with food. That is correct. Do you have a guess as to the food, sir, for all the points? For <laughs> all the points. Um, they lured him. This is a man from the Humane Society. Yeah, said, uh, do this. And so they did it. Was this like a PSA on, on Schultz's part? For, uh... Not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. Uh, okay. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, I think it was just Snoopy. I don't remember why Snoopy wouldn't come out of the, uh, the house, but he, he had the, the big icicle about to kill mm-hmm. him. Wouldn't come out. <laughs> and then they lured him out with this piece of food. Wasn't a TV dinner. So it must have been pizza. Bang! It was, it was indeed a pizza. Saved by a pizza. <laughs> they both scream and dance happily. As a very nervous Snoopy looks back and goes, good grief, sweat shooting off of his uh, forehead, <laughs> which it shouldn't do, because that's not how dogs sweat. But, <laughs> well, it was coming off of his nose. Oh, or, okay, fair enough. Or they sweat through their tongue. Which one does they sweat? They sweat through their tongues, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's why they pant. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I was fascinated by uh, by his uh, doghouse as a kid. Oh, I love that idea. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I remember reading in that comics journal interview that he did with Gary Groth, and Groth is kind of questioning him grilling him, I guess you could say, on why he changed his art style coming out of the 50s into the 60s. And, and Schultz explained that I couldn't draw the doghouse realistically and have Snoopy lay mm. on it. Mm. And that was one of the main reasons that he changed. He just, he felt like, he felt like changing the characters, making it less realistic would allow for more humor in the visuals. And I think he was, I think he's probably very right in that in that way. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Oh, oh that's neat. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good call. Good call, uh, Schultz. <laughs> well done. It would be funny if, uh, if at one point uh, an old timey character wandered in, like Shermy, but they looked like he did in the fifties. And he's <laughs> like, "I've been sick," and he like left for a while and came back, and he's like feeling better. She's like, "What happened? Things have really changed." Yeah, we don't do what you're doing anymore. We don't do that. This is what we are now. Okay. So you know, plug Dolly Man. Madison or fuck off. I'm like, okay, well, she's like, I'm not going to plug Dolly Madison. That's harsh. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah, and all of a sudden, uh, four, uh, was it three, four, and five show up and go, do you need us anymore? I'm like, what are you guys? Remember us? No, we don't. Get out. You too, Frida. No one wants you. With your natural curly hair. <laughs> your cat that Shells couldn't draw. And uh, always bummed him out that he couldn't draw a cat. <laughs> it's like, who, who know, couldn't draw a cat? Oh, Schultz. It always bothered him that but he couldn't draw a cat. That's ridiculous. His cats are great. Oh, he hated the way he drew Frida's cat. He hated it. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, that just, I mean, that's, I mean, everyone, everyone's a harsh critic of their own skills, of course, but his cat, the way he drew his cats is these sort of boneless, these boneless, uh, uh, like they look like she's holding a blanket when she brings carries her cat around. I just think that's great. Like it's, it's so cat like, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be accurate. It has to be in the spirit of, of the animal, you know, and I think that's, that really gets to that heart of that kind of like, you know, that super relaxed catness at times. I'm reading up about his World War II experience. 
Uh, he was trained as a machine gunner and was sent to Germany towards the end of the conflict. Oh, okay. And he, his division helped uh, liberate, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong and I feel terrible at this, uh, Dachau. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that would change yeah. your life. That'll change your life, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yep. And uh, he was involved later in planning the National D-Day Memorial in Virginia, uh, saying, I think any sensible person with a grasp of history would have to admit D-Day was the most important day of our century. Well, you know, if definitely if you were part of the liberation of, of, of a concentration camp, you'd certainly feel like the, all that sacrifice was worth it. Mm-hmm. So it was an incredible, an incredible feat. And and it, was a, it was incredible in the, other, in, the, in the sense that there was also another D-Day that happened at the same time. Where they, but it was just like a, it was like a counterfeit move to, to uh, trick. It was like a decoy invasion on another part, another part of the coast, as, mm. as a way to like attract attention away from where it was actually going to happen. So you imagine being those poor guys, where they just, you just send in like with no, no real like support or any thought that you're going to like do anything. <laughs> Great. Wow. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, D- kind of like Dieppe, which was like a, a, you know, where all the Canadian, Canadian a lot of Canadians died in Dieppe. Which was just an, a feint, like just a, a, a kind of a test run at w- how a beach invasion should go, and it just went terribly wrong in every way, and you know thousands of Canadians were killed. Uh, but it was just a test; it wasn't like meant as an actual attack. It was just like, oh wow, how would you make this work if you had to like a, go in? And, and it's like, okay, don't do it that way. <laughs> what we learned, oops, yeah, Mary was um, Mary does a little history talk in at her care home where she where she works. And so last week she was talking about Anne Frank, the story of Anne Frank. And it turned out that one of the residents there is a British guy who was a doctor. And he was part of, he helped liberate Bergen Belsen, which is where Anne Frank actually went, went to uh, die. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he, he was there for that. He was uh, there as a, as a medic working at, at the camp. And I guess it just sounded just terrible because it was like 800 people a day dying because you just couldn't, oh they're just so, so beyond help. You just were just there to kind of, you know, tend to the last rites and help them pass peacefully. But yeah, it was just a, just a giant mess. And I imagine that no one, ex- you know, p- there probably were rumblings of what was happening, but no one had like any kind of real, real da- real uh, data of what, you know, the extent of it all. So they probably weren't really prepared like with supplies or anything to like do very much when they first came into these places. So I imagine there was a lot of like running around and doing what you could, but you're waiting for the supply supply lines to, to catch up. And yeah, uh, just terrible. God. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's weird how, yeah. So I, I don't know if he's ever like really talked about that. And, and it seems like something that I didn't even know. I didn't even know about that. I know, and we're enormous fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even. I mean, I've read. I mean, I read the extensive rev- interview he did with with Groth, and I mean, it's a huge, huge interview. A typical comics journal interview, where it's you know, twenty pages of of interview. And I think he's put out like the complete interview in, in a different form. Oh, okay. You know, that was sort of edited down for magazine consumption. It's so long because it's the comics journal interview, but but I think it's even longer, and he. Um, he has released it as a the complete uh, interview, which it's a it's a fascinating interview because I I feel like Schultz was being as honest as honest as he could or as honest as he wanted to be in in terms of his answers and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I was watching a recent interview with Groth talking with the um, with the, um, I can't remember his name now. He's a he does um, he's a graphic novelist. He's a brother of is it Ethan Ethan Van Skyver? He's one of those 
Comics oh, Gate no, guys? No, no, Noah Van Skyver? Noah is the alternative one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he was doing an interview with Groth, just talking about about interviewing Schultz, and and uh, Groth was saying like, you know, he wa- he was wanted to call him Mister Schultz because you know he's Mister Schultz, but he insisted that he call him Sparky, and you know when he would call him Mister Schultz, he'd be like, nope, Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, which of course was his nickname, and then he talked about like on the doing the interview, and then him him uh, driving. Groth to the ice rink, which was on the same property. I don't know how far they had to drive, but it went from his office to the to the ice rink. And he said, "What was nice about that was it was a much more relaxed conversation. It didn't it wasn't an interview then. It was just them talking." Yeah. And he went. They went to the ice rink, and and uh, you know, I guess he just wanted to show it to him, and he was pretty proud of it. I guess if you can afford, you know, afford to build an ice rink on your property, you, you should be proud. That, do you know if that ice rink is still there? Yes, it is still there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I think his uh, wife is still alive. Jeannie Schultz is still alive. His second wife, okay, and great. she she maintains it still. Do you, um yeah, it feels like if you were here's a, here would be a weird thing, and it sounds like a weird thing to bring up about, but like you're a you're a soldier in World War Two, mm-hmm. and you know you liberate this concentration camp, yeah, and you're telling the story, you know, to people because you would. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would. Maybe there's some parts. I don't know if you how much you talk about it, but yeah. Like, but it's something that would get I think like, you know, there'd be reasons to bring that up. As, yeah. you, as you see creeping fascism or something happened, you would bring it up. But then you'd go like, yeah, and I liberated with uh, you know, a like, group there was Sparky. Sparky completely sounds like a World War Two name, right? Mm. Like you know, there he is, old Sparky is there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then you're like, Oh, by the way, he created peanuts. <laughs> anyway, and it's just like that's such a surreal thing. Yeah, yeah. That you did this thing that's so you know, oh my god, like like it's on a level you just never, you just can't wrap your head around mm-hmm. it. With it'd be like with Walt Disney, you know, was was at your side and that was the guy like you were with. That just that was so strange. <laughs> like yeah, he created Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's of that level. Yeah, yeah. It'd just be like okay. Oh, yeah, okay. And then they go, "You're a liar, Grandpa." They just go, "You're a dirty liar." <laughs> well, especially when right? it's, it's not mentioned anywhere, so be like, "It doesn't mention anything in this interview that he was in the war." Yeah, yeah, you're a dirty, stinking liar, Grandpa. And it's like, uh, yeah, uh, no one believes him, and they put him in a home. It's <laughs> like, no, it was all true. It's like, no. Well, I don't know. What, what about the guy who was like the navigator on the the uh, bomber that Jimmy Stewart flew during the war? Like we'd be like, oh, I was yeah, I was a navigator in the bomber with Jimmy Stewart. What the guy from It's Wonderful Life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was a pilot, and I, I was the navigator. We'd, and would he? What was the biggest problem? Well, you take forever getting to the point. <laughs> like, that delightful so he'd always be circling over the target. Like we couldn't get yeah. yeah. Well, oh, just want to ask you again. All right, come on, get to it. Have you have you have you met my enemy Hitler? Just yeah. watched a, a good. I want to say good. <laughs> um, uh, Jimmy Stewart movie. Okay. Good, yeah. Uh, called No Time for Comedy. Oh, um, I've not. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's him. He's a writer, uh, and he's a uh, he's a uh, he's a hick, and he's coming to the big fancy. Mm. Uh, fancy that sounds like a '30s comedy. Uh, sure. Let's go with that. Okay. And uh, I think like it was like just kissing the '40s. I think it was like 1940 or something. Um, okay. Let me look, let me look it up now. I'm kind of curious. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's uh. No time for comedy, uh, and yeah, 
it's this, this theater company and they're all worried about their third act because it's a stinkeroo. <laughs> and uh, he wrote this fancy play about, you know, rich people. What he really did was yeah. he wrote it about Hicks and then just upgraded all the jobs. And, and so like he falls in love with the main actress yeah. and it's, they got some good zippity damn bam boom, uh, you know, <laughs> well, who's, who's the, who's the main actress in it? Main actress, well, you know, listen, I want to tell you, sure you uh, Rosalind, Rosalind Russell is that? Oh, okay. His girl yeah, Friday, yeah, Rosalind Russell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's sharp. She's good. Yeah, she's very good. Um, and uh, and but then, mm-hmm. oh, this uh, rich dame uh, uh, who likes to um, toy with fix men. Guy. Okay. No, she likes to fix guys. She likes to make some go. You know what your problem is? I'm going to make you a big success. Okay. And just like, but she only does this with guys that are a success. That's the thing. She actually gets called up at one point. Uh, yeah. And, and who uh, plays yeah. her? Who plays her? Uh, that is uh, uh, Genevieve Tobin. Oh, I don't know her. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't help much. Um, but yeah, it's very witty. But then gets in some weird directions. Mm. But it's continuously witty. And like you're like uh, yeah, but then he becomes a real asshole and just starts drinking too much. Yeah, yeah. Ends up, uh, you know, uh, he's gonna now marry. That's very weird because like the woman is married, like the woman who's like fixing guys is married to this uh, stuck-up banker. Yeah. And they have like a nice discussion. The banker and Jimmy Stewart is like, well, "When will you grow up?" And it's like you know, like oh, all right. And then they like, say, "What do you do for a living?" Why well, I, uh, I bank? You know, I work in banking. And it's like, why don't you grow up? I'm like, oh, you know, that. And so uh, the uh, rich guy, his wife is the one who's like trying to like improve guys. Yeah. And he's just like beaten down to the point where like, that's what she is. What am I going to do? Um, but then, you know, it, they're going to swap wives like by the end. It's like they're going to marry each other's wives. And that's what it's going to be. And it's like, what? This is craziness. Um, and yeah, it, it ends pretty well. It ends pretty well, but it's like, it starts off with Jimmy Stewart as the kind of Jimmy Stewart you really like. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, he was a bit of an asshole. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he could play that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's okay. It's based on a play. Mm, so that's a problem. That yeah. A warning. That's a problem for yeah, sure. So very witty dialogue and a lot of like. Who who directed it? Couches. Who directed it? Uh, William uh, Cayley. Oh, okay. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, you no, anyone. no. that's a, but, uh, Jack Warner is the producer. Oh, Warner Brothers film. Hmm. Dark rights, he is. I wonder, oh, that's interesting. In 1940, curious. So I wonder if that was because um, Stewart was signed to MGM, I believe, at that time. I wonder if he was uh, got loaned out or something. Maybe yeah, he got in trouble. Director, yeah, it's the director of The Man Who Came to Dinner in 1942. And uh, George Washington Slept Here. I've seen that one. I've seen both of those films. I actually prefer George Washington Slept Here to The Man Who Came to Dinner, which, once, once again, is a play, f- as a film. And, and as you say, take that with a, as a warning, because I do think that plays on film don't always work very well. Oh, he's also the co-director of Ventures uh, of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. With Michael Curtis. There you are. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. I wonder why he was co-director. I mean, I wonder why Curtis needed a co-director. I mean, but in those days, you could get pulled off of... Because you weren't... There was no like idea of like an auteur, you know, like the director is the person with the vision of this film. The films in those days were like the producer's baby. So you could you could get like pulled off of a project and put onto another project that might be having some trouble, and they're like, "Well, put Curtis on that. He he he's good with he's good at dealing with that actor or that actress. You know, we'll put him on that project and get him get that thing off the ground, and we'll bring in so and so to do this." He had three movies come out in 1940. Stewart. 
Uh, no, um, uh, Keeley. Oh, yeah. Directed three films, The Fighting 69th, Torrid Zone, and No Time for Comedy. I was looking hmm. at, like, he's directed a lot of movies, but, like, in a short amount of time. Yeah. So yeah. it's, like, 1934, he directed four movies. Wow. No, five. He directed five <laughs> movies uh, that came out in 1934. It was a factory in those days. You six. had to keep the product going out. <laughs> he directed six movies that came out. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's crazy, isn't it? Just from project stop to project. stop it. But that you know that also explains why that movie isn't great because it doesn't sound like there was a lot of time for a prep on it too. So, you you know he, when he came in he couldn't like ask for rewrites or or you know or try and fix the third act of that. You know <laughs> that was, sounds like that also suffered from a third act, not just a play, but also the movie suffered from a third act. Let you know uh, anticlimax. So yeah, was yeah. was um, I'm trying to think this that of course like that this was based on a play made me think of uh, uh, of course. Uh, James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, in uh, Rope, also based on a play, mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. a gimmick. Uh, yeah. Was, um, uh, what's it, Rear Window, was that based on a play? No. That feels no, like that's a No, that's original. Really? Because yeah. that smells like a play like nobody's business. That's like a set of like looking out a window. I know, uh, but so much of it is happening. So so much of the movie is about the, the individual stories of the people across from him, which you really couldn't do as effectively in a in a theater situation. I don't think, unless unless you're gonna have him sitting like in the audience looking onto the stage. Right. But you know, when you watch the movie, you know, and that was a set. You know, that huge ten, yeah, the huge huge apartment complex is a is a set, and all the you know, and everyone. Everything happening across. It's not just about the murder. It's about all the other lives that he's looking in on. The the composer played by uh, uh, David Seville, who later go on to write the Chipmunks song and (laughs) stuff. He's playing the composer in that movie. And then there's the the woman who um, you know is doing her calisthenics in the morning. That's a a real ga ga ga. But later on, you see her get get uh, mistreated by a man because you know. And then you the the couple who are. On, you know who have just who've just got married and so they they use that one scene where the guy comes out for air after they've been having some fun you know and then the yeah. wife comes back and the curtains get closed again va va voom and then there's the 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 um of course there's the murder but there's also the the woman who discovers the the, the corpse of the dog down below because she's got a little adventure going on and yeah there's everyone has a little story happening but in it that feels film. to me like if i was doing it as a play and i'm sure <laughs> other people have done it as a play mm. how you do it as a play is you uh, you have the Jimmy Stewart character looking out the window. He, yeah. he raises up his 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 glasses, yeah. his uh, binoculars. And the only time you see the windows is when he raises his binoculars. So the binoculars go up. Then all of a sudden you see, you get that binocular vision. Mm. Uh, so you get the double circles. Boom. There it's and you just have one window, two at the most. And then you've got the uh, yeah you got to have two windows because the guy's got to come in at one point later on, <laughs> and you got to like be in the other room. So two windows. Up. Boom on there and then the second he puts his binoculars down it goes to black and then you put he raises them up again now we're in a different apartment and you just do a series of quick changes of the apartment and it's it's all the people in the same the same space you could you could do that that would work okay uh maybe all right then forget it, <laughs> just, it. <laughs> you could, well you can mount it i'm not, not here to yeah, stop you all right i'm fine not here to stop um, you but it was based on it was based on a short story yeah it's based on yeah. a short story yeah it had to be murder <laughs> great name. but i think if you read the short story and then watch the movie you would find that hitchcock who took his time when he made a movie prepping it in fact he found making the movie boring what he enjoyed was was creating the like getting the movie to that stage of filming. And then everything after that was just like, was not that exciting to him. 
But yeah, the puzzles were solved. Well, that's it exactly. Yeah, you it got. Depends, it depends if the part of uh, you know creating something like that is you want you know you're, you're interested in everything but the actors, or you're interested in the actors. Mm-hmm. And some people mm-hmm. are actors directors, and some people are plot directors. And, well, that's know, it. Yeah, he wasn't much of an actress director. There's that story of Karen Black acting in Family Plot. So this is in the early seventies, maybe seventy four around there. I remember going to Universal and they were promoting that film when we were there. But there's a scene in the film where she like goes into this thieves' house and she's searching madly through the kitchen, opening and closing all the cupboards, looking for something. And she did it. And then Kitchcock is like, you know, cut, great, great work, Karen. And then she's like, you know what? I feel like I could do that one more time. Like I didn't quite get it right the first time. And he's like, no, no, it was good. She's like, oh, no, I just, I feel better if I do it one more time for you, Lynn. He's like, oh, okay. So then they do it all over again. And But he didn't film it. He, yeah. just, he just let her do it. Which sounds cruel, but the reason he didn't film it was because he didn't want to give the studio options for yeah. shots. Yeah. Because he wanted to have control over the editing, and he didn't want to have too much, give over too much, many options that could be taken out of his hands, and and you know people messing with it. So he would. Yeah, it's it's a brutal thing to say, but sometimes you got to shut the actor up. <laughs> and you can either shut the actor up by being the bully and yeah. you're like, no, we're moving on. But now <laughs> you got to raise the actor's spirits up. Like, yeah. Yeah. In the next scene, and what do you got to do? And also, it's a horrible thing to do. You don't want to hurt a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you go like, you know what? You're right. That is a good idea. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Let's don't do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. And you either yeah, you either do it like that, where you don't put film in a camera, mm-hmm. or you or you just go um, you can have a focus. <laughs> okay, so let's do this thing. And yeah, focus or yeah. the sound isn't right or something like that, and you're fine. Well, I feel yeah. with I feel if you think of Hitchcock's movies, like very few of his films, like you can you really can't critic. There's not many you not many you can criticize store in terms of their story. Like they're always solid, like solid right through to the very end of the movie. Like he really knew how to, you know, and he worked on it too. Like you know, screenplays like North by Northwest, you know spent several years being re- rewritten, reworked, rethought of, you know, and th- this is how he worked. You know, he would have movies on the go while he was filming, you know, another movie and he would be prepping different films. So every, you know, he always had movies in the pipeline and he was always working on them. Always, you know, and then of course his wife, Alma Ravel, she of course worked side by side with him as a script supervisor. And I think she was a real great story mind as well. And so, you know, together they were, you know, well, I mean, she did. She also edited his films and stuff with him, and so yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing career. I know, of course, there's a dark side to him, but you oh, know. absolutely, it has anything to do with the, you know, you see him making the birds, you just go, well, that guy's a sack of, a sack of shit. Yeah, he's yeah. early. Yeah, he's uh, cruel. Yeah, uh, and 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 yeah, who's uh, just wants the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's weird. Like I was watching, and this is completely unreal. It doesn't sound like a fair comparison. But Robert Rodriguez, when I when I, I was watching like a, a movie, he he, I, did, I wonder if he did direct it. I think he did. But it was the uh, it was the most recent one he did with superhero kids. But I've seen some of his other movies like okay. Spy Kids, mm-hmm. whatever. And, and you just see these movies and just go, mm, he would replace these actors with robots if he had a, sh- <laughs> a chance. There's no reason for actors to be here. They just yeah. hit the spot, yeah. turn, they stay the line. I mean, sometimes, you know, he likes... Uh, who's the fellow who plays Machete? 
Oh man, I was just talking about I the know. other day. I know. We were just talking about a career he had that he was guy was in it was in prison. Could you imagine when he was sitting in prison that one day he would have millions of dollars and you know be famous as as Machete from the Spy Kids movies and from a series of B movies as well that are not for kids to watch? Yeah, that completely. Once again, this is the story of another guy who's like sitting next to him in prison, just go, <laughs> "Oh yeah, you know that guy in the movie Machete? Yeah, uh, he used to be my roommate." <laughs> Shut uh-huh. up. Yeah, you, yeah. And then the other guys, and I liberated. Oh, sure you did. <laughs> it's the beat up guy. Shut up, you. You're all you're all crazy. You're all crazy. Um, it was, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Yeah, no, it was a thing. Uh, and I'll, t- I'll I'll tell you what his name is in like microseconds. Uh, it was Danny uh, Trejo. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Who uh, uh, my sister-in-law uh, got? Well, she was a PA on The Flash when he was there. Okay. And apparently, very very nice. And uh, um, like to talk about his taco business. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm sure he. I'm sure. You know. I hope that he's the kind of person who can appreciate. The massive pile of luck that he fell into in his right. In his but I'm going to say, like with Robert Rodriguez, when you got Danny Trejo in, a, in your movie, yeah. then it's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to write the scene around Danny Trejo. We yeah. Danny Trejo is the driving force, but like quite often when he's working with kids or what have you, it's all about the special effects and mm-hmm. everything that he's mm-hmm. redone. And now it's just like, get the kid in there. Say the lines to the tennis ball. Okay, we're done. Well, I could say it again. Yeah, but why would you? No, you don't matter. Again, I hope you're a robot soon. Bye. Get out of here, you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I guess I guess the saving grace of, of a film like Sin City is the quality of the actors in that film. Like mm-hmm. he, just, he just seemed to have his choice of... of of whomever he wanted in that movie. I mean, it's just, even the bit parts have, you know, big names in, in it, you know, but, and everyone, yeah, know. everyone turns in like stellar performances in that film. And Frank Miller technically is the co-director, but mm. if you want to see what Frank Miller is like as a director, watch The Spirit. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I yeah. dare you. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen watch that movie. the whole movie. I don't, Try it. I don't Try need it. to. No, it's okay. Good luck. It, you know, the, Good. Fucking luck, and, and 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 see if you don't just hate movies in general afterwards. I could take that seventy-seven minutes and uh, read an actual spirit story. Yeah, that, that'd two. be that'd be better. Or even a, a good Frank Miller story. It's fine. Read some old uh, Electra Lives. That's great. Electra Lives read is that. good. The um, Daredevil. That Daredevil. Uh... Yeah. Um. The Sankovitz. No, not the Sankovitz. Not not that one. No, the one no, he did. I'm saying, I am saying Metzakelly. Metzakelly. With Metzakelly. Metzakelly yeah. stuff is great, but him with Sankovitz. On the Electra's uh, miniseries was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of good stuff that you would better be served. Absolutely. Do that. Don't do the, oh, don't you see the Spirit movie. Saw it in England. <laughs> uh, we were so up for seeing a movie in England. We're so like, oh, we're going to see a movie. Yeah. British style. This will be great. <laughs> go get some popcorn, ask for butter. They don't have it. Yeah. Do they look at you like, did you get the same look when I asked for vinegar in uh, in Liverpool for my chips? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the look you got, but I'm, oh, I'm, it looked. They looked at me like I had just asked for them to pour battery acid on on the fries. Yeah, they just had it salty or sweet. How do you want it? <laughs> no, no, delicious. And you don't have that option. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm just gonna go, go buy go buy some butter and a microwave. Yeah, it's like you've got butter technology here. <laughs> I know you do, uh, but no mm. dice. So yeah, went in and then uh, the movie started off like. I mean, how bad can it be? I says to myself, I've seen the TV show. 
of the spirit. <laughs> I saw that, that and I was like, okay with it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Oh fuck. Oh no. Oh no. Like we just kept me and this other guy. There's a lot of room in the theater. Mm-hmm. So he was like way away, just stretched out, relaxing. And, and we just kept looking over at each other like, is this happening? <laughs> this is a movie, right? Like he knows they're filming, right? <laughs> Oh my god! And Sam Jackson, he's fine. Like everyone is is a good actor. Yeah. But like, son of a bitch. Oh, it was so. Oh, oh god. Oh, so, so bad. Yeah. Well, the, my favorite quote from that whole thing is Frank Miller's quote that he wanted to do it himself before someone ruined the spirit. Oh no, shit! Yeah, that's the real pain in the ass. Is like he did it with love, like so much love and so bad. So so little understanding of the of the of the. Uh... Yeah, Scarlett the, Johansson's the, in it, and mm. Silken Floss. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it's Gabriel Mock plays the uh, you know the spirit. He's fine, hmm. but it's all about like how horny he makes people and how horny he is, and it's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it! Stop it! Settle down! Stop it! Stop it! Yeah. Stop it! Yeah, just upsetting. Yeah, it's upsetting Sarah when it's, it's upsetting when a character that you like. Get something mad and it's bad, and you're like, well, then no one will ever want to, no one will ever care about this character now because they'll just associate it with like this, this garbage, like the shadow. Like, I love the shadow from the stories, and I love the Howard Chaikin shadow series that he did in the 80s. But then they made that, is it 90s movie with Alec Baldwin? And it's, yeah. it's just garbage, you know? And so yeah. you're watching, yeah, and you're two, like, two no one can be excited. Two good, scenes. two good scenes one, a guy falling off a roof, an invisible building, and hitting a ledge. Bouncing off the invisible ledge, good. <laughs> okay. And then one other scene where you're looking an overhead shot of it. It's this kaleidoscopic, you know, uh, view. But then all of a sudden it starts like rising up in the middle, and you realize it's the villain wearing this uh, elaborate outfit mm. that you're seeing. You know, it's like, ooh, that's a nice shot, beautiful. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Alec Baldwin's got to put on his fake nose and laugh, and you're like, what are you doing? Why? Why would you? Why would you do this? Alec Baldwin, all he's got going for him is he's handsome. Yeah. And now you're making him a big uggo. Why would you do this? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Brad Bird was going to do uh, The Spirit, an animated version of The Spirit. Oh, that would have been really good. Yeah. So, you know, he's got ideas. Get him. He'll do a live version of it. It'll be fine. Put it on Netflix or some shit. It'll be fine. He, he knows what he's doing. He did that uh, Tom Cruise climbs up a building thing. He's fine. Ghost Protocol. Sure. <laughs> Which well, I didn't realize but it was also written by Christopher McQuarrie. So. Oh, okay. There you go. As he seems to have become, he seems to have taken over the franchise now for whatever reason. Yeah. Which I kind of, I mean, I like his, I like what he's done, but I kind, at that's the same time, I'm. What's that? That's not the point. Yeah. Something new every time. Right? Yeah, that's been that's been sort of the fun part of it, and. Uh, but I guess the guess the way they're making them now that they need the continuity. So Ugh, no continuity, jarring personality <laughs> discrepancies. That's what I need. I love you more than anyone. She's gone. Like yeah, that's what we want. We want we want jarring discrepancies. Yeah, James Bond style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no way Roger Moore is the same guy who was Sean Connery is the same guy who's Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. They're not the same. No, but you know, don't uh, don't try and continuity that stuff. No, exactly. Settle down. Doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh, Let me plug something that I saw that uh, may come and go. Uh, Okay. 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 
Um, it's uh, it's uh, directed by Frank Oz. It's called In and of Itself. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, and again, I don't want to say too much of what it is. There's okay. magic. There's magic in it, and it's it's a story uh, told by a fellow who you would maybe know as a magician, one of the best card magicians around. Uh, and yeah, telling some personal stories, and then there's audience interaction. But it was uh, it was very unique. Like if nothing else, it was like, okay, I haven't seen this before. Hmm. This is new. This is interesting. You know, you may figure some stuff out. You know, and go like, I oh, good. But it's still, it's a worthwhile, um, uh, it's very satisfying uh, to me it was emotionally. It's, uh, it taps into something that's uh, good. And so it's called In and of Itself with the and ampersand symbol. And you can get it on, I think, iTunes. You can get it on, like, Apple TV. You can uh, rent it. And, uh, and again, it's directed by Frank Oz, who, you know, you know from, he's a Fozzie Bear. I was going to say, we, you, you'll know him as the lawyer from Knives Out. You will. You'll know him as the guy in both Blues Brothers movies. I'm going to be. Um, I'm going to step away for a second. You just keep talking about this movie, and I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. I'll be right back. Just keep uh, you, pumping you'll it. Know, you'll know uh, him as a good director who, unfortunately, uh, Marlon Brando didn't respect when uh, they were doing um, what's what, it's, it's some film where he was doing a parody of. Uh, the Godfather, and he was not uh, nice to him, and he kept calling him Miss Piggy. It was very disrespectful. Hello. Frank Oz <laughs> Hello. Deserves more respect than that, Marlon Brando. <laughs> what is this about? What is this about? Oh, it's saying how Frank uh, he wasn't respected by Marlon Brando in that movie that uh, he did with um, with uh, with Frank Oz, where he directed him, and it was the Matthew Broderick. Oh, film. the Freshman. The Freshman, yeah. Huh. Yeah, boo, boo, boo there, well, I say. Well, Marlon Brando is a notorious director, saboteur, so yeah, there's that terrible did. story of the island of Dr. Moreau and with uh, Richard Stanley. I was thinking to myself, man, I'm thirsty. I wish I'd brought a, brought a drink, and then I realized, oh, I left my coke outside on the in the cold, ah. so it stayed cold, but I forgot to bring it in, so I'm going to... Well, I'm glad to hear that. He's also, by the way, Frank Oz, director of Little Shop of Horrors. That was pretty good. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What about Bob? Some people like that. House sitter, pretty good. Indian in the cupboard, yeah, it's okay. In and out, yeah, good. Bowfinger, mm-hmm. yeah, I like the Bowfinger. Score, don't know what that is. That's um, it's a Montreal-based film with Ed Ed Norton and um, has Paul Sands in it. It's the or sorry, Paul Souls, the voice of Spider-Man. The voice of Spider-Man is in it. Okay. The voice of '60s Spider-Man. Okay. Is in it, and it's like a kind of a caper film where it's kind of odd. I think Ed Norton plays uh. A physically disabled person or mentally disabled person in the film, and uh, I can't. It's hard. I can't remember anymore. It just. It's. It's. Uh. It's okay. I mean, he's okay. a really. He's. A, he's kind of like. He's kind of like an older version of Ron Howard. You know, he's like a really proficient director, but he's not like a great stylist or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Though so he did do a bunch. Of, directed a bunch of Muppets movies that were. I don't know if Ron Howard could do that. I don't know if Ron Howard you, could do. You just point. Muppets. You just point the camera so that it's not looking down. I think they did more than that. I think they did more than that. <laughs> Muppets take Manhattan. I think it's. Jim but I, I, I mean, well, but he did it with Jim Henson as well. And right. I think I think there's a technical element to those. Oops, there's a technical element to those films that's, um, you know, that's not being done by the director. It's being done by a big group of of Muppeteers who are figuring out how to have 18 characters riding a bicycle at the same time so that you as a kid seeing it go what the hell am i looking at yeah, yeah what is going it was, on it's that kind of yeah he knows his way you figure like 
this is a guy who probably knows his way around magic and uh, he knows no, his for, way around yeah, yeah. emotions. And, yeah, he was yeah. a good guy for this. So, again, in and of itself, check it out. And then look up the career of Paul Souls, also an The voice of Spider-Man. Voice of Spider-Man. The voice of Hermie. Hermie the Elf. Yeah, that's right. And Rudolph Redno's reindeer. Yeah. The, the, uh, the lawbreaker in uh, This is the Law. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the game show? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He was the one who broke the law. And then he had to decide, like, hey, wait a second. What was the law that was broken? Yeah. Yeah. It's him. Huh. That's great. I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty, how long did This Is The Law run for? Uh, ran five years, that show. Hmm. There you are. It must have been on for a while, because it was a game show, and, and I, even I saw it. Yeah, I, uh, it used to bother my dad watching that show, because he'd just go, oh, leave him alone, that wasn't as bad a law. Why are you, <laughs> why are you throwing him in jail for that? It's like, that's not really the point. That's not really the and, point of the show. <laughs> and, you know, if I was talking to my dad now, I'd go... And clearly, it's a revolving door at that prison because he's going to be out next week doing three more crimes. So don't worry about it. Yep, don't he doesn't spend a lot of time in the booze gal. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So um, just so you know, uh, I just invested all my money into GameSpot. Woo! So, up. Did you, did oh, you get go. like, one of those uh, cards? <clears throat> they, those little uh, gift cards? They said, welcome to the pyramid scheme. Nice. I said, okay. uh, I've had it explained to me four times and it hasn't stuck. <laughs> what how it works? Oh, I mean, we both watched the movie The Big Short, I assume. Sure, which, I've watched Boiler Room. Which, ha- which helpfully has the very lovely uh, actress, I'm there's stumbling now, uh, Margot Robbie, okay. sitting in a bathtub explaining to you how short, how it works, like how shorting works. Yeah, that doesn't help me. Uh, no, I was really distracted. I don't know why. That's incredibly distracting. Yeah, you could be telling me military secrets. Really <laughs> yeah, no, it's very distracting. But yeah, the it's, important it's, it's, thing uh, is uh, jerks. Like here's 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 again. I'm sorry if I'm uh, being dominant with the uh, conversation today. Um, what I like about it is it feels like aftermath of Trump in that. The only thing Trump ever really had going for him wasn't like the economy is doing well. Yeah. Because the economy wasn't doing well, but the stock market was doing well. So it'd go like, check out the Dow Jones. The stock market's great. Yeah. So it felt like, you know, the only sons of bitches who did well for these last four years and had a good time were the stock market fuckers. Yeah. He's the only people that did well. So it feels nice now to like have someone just go, mm, you know that game you play? Well, let's see how those rules work. So we could just do this, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, there. All right, now you're fucked. Oh, well, hooray. There you go. And they're all like, it's not fair. It's not fair. Shut it all down. It's like, no, no. You made these rules. Yeah. And this is how this goes. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, all the all the guys who are doing the shorting, that's they they figured out how to game the system, too. Yeah. Like, when they were doing... The, you, Dad. I learned it from you. <laughs> when, when they were doing that... At the start, people at the time were crying foul as well. Uh-huh. So it's nothing new. Like this whole, you know, all these attempts of like, you know, hostile takeovers and, and you know, things like that. These are all like, these are all, you know, things that have, were, were new at one point and people all bristled at that are now taken as just like a, a, as business as per usual. A part of the, what makes it interesting to me is the fact that I really think it's during this pandemic here is that millions of people have nothing to do. And so they've turned to the stock market as a way to, you know, kind of play with the, the extra excess money they might have laying around because they can't travel. 
they can't go to restaurants. They, you know, so that their normal expenditures are, are reduced. So they're like, well, I guess might as well just put it in the stock market. But and it's not. It doesn't explain this because this is totally done by people who have like a real understanding of of the stock market. I think mostly this explains why things like Tesla and Apple stocks have gone up because those are like boutique stocks that are appealing to people that they'll buy. You know, I'd be like, right. oh, I own Tesla stocks now. That is that. That makes me almost as cool as the person who drives a Tesla. <laughs> you know, only only um, only second in smugness only to bicycle riders on the street. People who drive Tesla cars. So you know, like now I've got a little taste of that. You know, by buying this this stock. And but this this is like a whole level of 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 you know of understanding of how how to manipulate. I mean the guy who the guy who like suggested it he invested fifty thousand dollars into this and made twenty two million. Yeah. You know so like I guess we can kind of laugh at the hedge fund suckers, but you know now there's going to be a new group of horrible people <laughs> making a lot of money with you know do like doing things where they run up penny stocks or run up these sort of, uh, you know, these kind of low, low end stocks. So I guess, well, you know, taken over by, you know, bad people. Absolutely. There's going to be some problems. Sure. But it's yeah. good, but it's good for the companies though, too. Like they're talking about AMC going up on the rise. And so they're, they're hurting of course, cause all the theater, all the theaters yeah. are closed and stuff. So this is like helpful to them. It's helpful to Blackberry. If Blackberry take, you know, catch, catches someone's fancy and, and they start to go up, that helps them because, you know, they can use that to develop, you know, they've obviously been kind of str- struggling along with with a group of like hardcore, mostly East Coast people who, for whatever reason, love love BlackBerry mostly for its um ability to um it has really good uh, security measures in it, like really strong. I can't remember the uh, there's a word and I can never remember it when I go go to try bring it into my head. But but uh, yeah, the the structure the start the way they use their phone to to create um that thing that i'm trying to think of the security security thing that you use when like you know when the information is like scrambled in a way that's not readable the, sure yeah the encryption is really strong so so they uh they're very popular with business people still and i guess all those people who like analog keep keyboards on their phones <laughs> uh and so yeah and so that would be like a shot in the arm for them if if this happens for them as well i mean you know it's uh like GameSpot is weird because it's a it's a brick and mortar video store which you know is kind of the blockbuster of of of, game, oh, it's of exactly, games now. It's Radio Shack. It's blockbuster. It's dead. Yeah. It's dead. It's yeah. a thing that should in no way still be alive or thriving in no way, which is the reason they picked it. Also because they have memories of it. You yeah. Know, as, ner- as nerds. Yeah. 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 You know, and so there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I look at someone like uh, like uh, um, AOC. And I, and I go like, okay, she probably can get a grasp on this. But I, th- I look at the other like senators and whatever, and go like, they're not going to get this unless they're <laughs> unless they're stock market guys. And I don't think they are. I think they're people that hire stock market people. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, yeah, you got to be you got to be curious. You got to be interested. You got to be open to uh, getting how this all works. And I think a lot of people are just like, oh, it's just craziness. And so like, let it happen. Okay, what I can't do anything about it. It's like, wait, 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 wait. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it feels like uh, a bunch of vultures are upset when someone's dragged the the someone has like, uh, you know, revitalized the cow carcass and it's it's yeah, walking yeah, away. Yeah. That's basically what it, you know. It's basically the yeah. reaction here. Yeah, they're also like, you're in my house. What are you doing? Here? <laughs> you don't belong here. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely their world, mm-hmm. and this is the only place they function. 
And now these, uh, you know, these Reddit nerds have showed up and, uh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have to admit that. Uh, well, I, one of my one of my uh, friends at work, he has uh, been been investing in the stock market for I guess a couple of years now, and you know, so he has some interest in it, and he, he he talks to me about it a little bit. But I have to admit that I have like no interest in it. You know, like I just don't care at all. Well, it's gambling. Like, are you interested in gambling in other forms? He calls it astrology for for men, but yeah, it's it's kind of sure. kind of the same thing. It, yeah, I, I know. I'm not interested in gambling that much, I, really, either. I'm just... Well, that's it at the core. It's you like know. you want something for, for nothing, really. I mean, there is some skill, but you could also say that about cards. Yeah, yeah. You could say that about a lot of things. But it's it's at its core. It's gambling. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like gambling, then you're not going to like this. <laughs> no, I was talking to him. I, I said, you know, I said, I mean, I'm concerned about my money. I'm concerned about my retirement plans, you know. My Freedom 95 program I'm on right now. <laughs> but I don't want to spend a bunch of time on it. Like, I don't have the time. Like, you know, I'm I'm a busy person. I have lots of things to do. And I just don't want to, like, add having to, like, research stocks and things like that. But, you know, if I think I am sort of thinking about moving some money into that um, because I feel like you could, I would get a better return. That I'm getting for my for my mutual funds right now, which are never very good anyway. So, yeah, it's just it's a, it, you know, but I just I I can't do it myself. I just I just don't want to like think about it or or I even or I don't even care to think about it. No, it feels. I think that's a thing. Uh, uh, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever played was going. Oh, you wouldn't get this. Don't don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, let someone else do it for you. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I gotta get this other person. Hey, they ripped me off. Jeez. <laughs> okay, that's that's how this shit goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's the thing of you know we're, we're, we'll never understand it. How could we? We're not wizards. <laughs> we're not wizards. Yeah. I, like I used to. Uh, my 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 friend uh, Drew used to uh, invest lightly. They invest heavily in uh, I think Apple stock. Okay. So like he would be checking that fucker like five times a day, <laughs> and he'd be like, "I'm up," and I'm like, "That's great. What's that? Ma- what's that mean? When are you going to sell? Like, are you going to sell now? Yeah. Because then, yes, you're up. But if not, it's going to go down. And mm-hmm. It'll go up again. It'll go down. It'll go up. Okay, fine. You know, but it's it definitely looked like a gambler's high that he was on. Yeah. With it. Yeah. Like, whereas, like. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a gambler, but I'm a gambler with like projects. Like, um, oh, this is a good, uh, good excuse for plugging a, a thing that just came out. Today. Um, <laughs> but like, I've got this comic book that my wife P and I did called Super, uh, S U P, and then capital E R because like an E R, because uh, it's about uh, um, a hospital uh, for the superpowered, uh, and uh, and so. Uh, we invested in this. We invested our time, mm-hmm. and then we invested like paying uh, an artist, our friend uh, Moritat, who's a very talented artist. We yep. paid paid him for, for for the art and the lettering, and that to me is like that's our investment. Mm-hmm. And then we put it out there, and like you know, maybe we'll make some money off it. Maybe we won't. Maybe maybe that'll lead to something. But that's the kind of thing that we invest in. And uh, by the way, if you're interested in uh, in, in uh, seeing the, the first issue, if you go to hellkitty.com slash uh super uh you will it's there and you can pay what you want for it pay anything pay nothing if you don't want Uh, we can't stop you and uh, you'll uh you know you feel bad about yourself and you should but yeah uh, (laughs) 
healthkitty.com slash super and uh, check check that out. But yeah, that's what I do for the most part. It's just like, I'm going to do a play. How much is it going to cost? It's going to cost this much. Will I make my money back? Maybe, uh, <laughs> but I could actually do quite well and it could lead to other things. So it's worthwhile as an investment for me to do. And I can never uh, kind of get myself to put money into stocks where I'm like, I could get it, put money into something practical that I can make and put out there. And yeah. I think that's going to get me more of an investment on what I, uh, uh, than, than something, you know, obscure. Yeah. Mm, I no. prefer to invest in Slurpees. Sure. So I've been pouring yeah, all my money the last, the last 40 years. That's right. Buy low, sell. Oh, headache. Oh, <laughs> crazy, crazy headache. You should sell, yeah, you should sell like a uh, buy, headache. Buy low, insurance. sell sugar high. Yeah, sell, yeah. Sell, like, get, uh, get that uh, brain freeze insurance. You know, <laughs> did you get the insurance? No, I didn't. Oh, you're going to regret it. You really should get that extra insurance. What happens if you get a brain freeze? And then someone comes up and goes, there, there. There, there. I'm like, there, give you some comfort. <laughs> Is that what they do? And that's worthless. Yeah. Worthless. There, there, there. there. Yeah, it'll, it'll go away in a couple of seconds, and it's gone by the time I get there. Yeah, but also you'd get the advice of, like, drink something warm, put it on your uh, soft palate. That's how you actually get rid of brain freeze. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but uh, if you don't, it's okay. You can you can deflect, but uh, we watched Wonder Woman the other day. Okay. 80, 1984. Okay. Uh, did you see that? I did see that, yes. Did you like it? Um, okay, well, let's not go crazy. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> right. that I think it was... <laughs> okay. Oh dear. Okay, here's here's damning with faint praise. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it's parallel for me with Shazam, okay. as far as the DC movies. Yeah. And then every other one of them... I kind of like Birds of Prey, but like every other one of them is uh, way below it. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it makes sense or is right. But I still think I think like if I was a kid and watching it, I would like it quite a bit because it's got a good big idea. But it's very flawed. And what did you think? I well, I think if I was a kid watching that, I would be very bored by that movie. Oh, you don't think there's like enough uh, action and whatnot in there? Well, I think it. I mean, there's some action in the beginning. Then it's like 40 minutes of blab. Okay. Before you get to like the next action sequence with the trucks and whatnot, and that's a long time to wait in a movie, like okay. that, that sort of f- film to wait for 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 an action sequence. I think. Yeah, I just thought it was. Um, I just yeah, I don't. I just felt the most undercooked film I've ever seen in my life. Like, I can't believe that they went to they started shooting with a script like that. Well, I still think all the other ones are worse. Like, I think Aquaman is a much worse movie because. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens, it starts off with him driving drunk with his dad, <laughs> then a whole bunch of CGI shit happens, and uh, it's yeah. all a confusing mess, and like, I don't know. And then you got, like, Batman v Superman, it's like, oh, jeez, that's, uh, oh, yeah, that's ah. not, that's not a good movie. Uh, you yeah. know, and he just, a uh, Justice League, oh, God. <laughs> uh, and so, and so that's the scale that I'm judging it on. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think it seemed when she was in the mall, she was having, it was kind of fun. Yeah, I like the mall scene. I thought it was and pretty was, good. It was okay. Was I mean, fine. It just, um, it just the film, the way it was filmed was was a bit, bit weird. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's to me the dumbest thing so far is like you're setting up that she's from this land with the Amazons mm-hmm. and this this interesting world, and it's like okay, wouldn't you like to see some of the Amazons maybe in our world? That'd be interesting. What would it be like for them in our world? You know, uh, all these women who have never seen a man, like men at all, and like tons of men. 
and like you know that'd be neat or hey you're greek gods right those are real yeah. oh okay so let's see some some stuff gods some stuff. <laughs> you know or monsters well, minotaurs uh giant cyclops uh it always like feels that. it always feels like with dc movies that they react to the complaints of the previous film okay so people complained that the that the uh ending of the last wonder woman was was you know, it's just a just a big CGI fight, and 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 you know, yuck, bad, bad to have that. And so DC and went she okay, lets, and she lets the one bad guy go, the one really <laughs> bad guy. She basically lets Doctor Mengele go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? I've grown as a person, and so I think you should leave. <laughs> okay, thanks so much. Doctor Poison is out of the building. Yeah, Great. yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, well done, you. Yes, okay. uh, I mean this movie had um, it had the uh, Chris, Christian Wig character, who of course yeah. is your typical like I don't know why why do people who like comics hate hate themselves so much they have to put like the nerd character in the movie to be like the most and, ineffectual and not, you know and how they show it how they show it yeah. and Oops. again I'm not the first person to to go with this but like oh they uh, dropped a bunch of paper on the floor <laughs> and that shows that you're a nerd yeah yeah well, it shows you're clumsy. Like, clumsy and then of course yeah. people walk by and don't help you and it's like well, why are you a fucking asshole they're just assholes <laughs> oh, right yeah, yeah like what's that about that doesn't show what's this mean yeah 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 so anyway she's a nerd somehow she's... though oh, oh, oh sorry let me just really quickly say well she wears glasses the scene i disliked this is the scene i disliked more than any other scene okay tell me that tell me was uh was uh, uh so diana is like uh would you like to join me for lunch I'm like okay i was like yeah i would and then you see Diana laughing, and she's like, ha, 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 ha. oh, oh, you're hilarious. Yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> oh, I wish we joined this movie scene a minute ago. Yeah, like a minute ago. That would have been nice. And the thing is, Christine Wake is hilarious. Yeah. You could have had a hilarious thing. What are you doing to me? Why are you, you know? So then, so then you're like, oh, but we're setting up that, like, She's got a great sense of humor. That's a great thing. So that's a great sense of humor. So later on, yeah. there'll be something where like she's lost her sense of humor, things that make her human. All the things you're set, setting yeah. up here will pay off later when she's obsessed. And we'll go, remember, we had this moment? Mm -hmm. No. No, not at all. Not at all. But even it could have even gone a different way, though, and had, like, I think one of the problems with the film is that they didn't want, they never want Wonder Woman to be at, at, at fault. So she's everything everything's always like she's always good she always everything she does is perfect you know so she like there's no like rivalry between her and Kristen wig's character there's no sense of competition between them like when she wishes to be diana it's not for any bad reason you know she just wishes that she was like this person she admires there's no like competition between them or a sense of like rivalry that's that's you know and so when when it starts to when it starts to turn, yeah. When it starts to turn, then you're just kind of like, well, like, what's going on? And and then and why does she deserve what happens to her? Well, here's the thing. when they get like, to the end of the film, you get you get no you get a, well, nothing happens to her. There's no redemption. There's nothing no, for her. Come up and see there. But there shouldn't nothing. be. But she doesn't need to come up, and she only made a wish. Yeah, no, but she didn't. Nothing happened to her. Sorry, we're gonna spoil the movie, guys. So if you don't like, it, honestly, ten minutes ahead, and we'll. And, I'll I'll put a I'll I'll put a time time code yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, no, but nothing happens to her. Like she's fine. The end. Like she's fine. She doesn't go to jail. 
She's just like a little bummed out that she doesn't have her abilities anymore. <laughs> I know, right? but 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 does she does she deserve that? Like it's not her control. She's not in control of herself. Like once she makes the wish, she starts yeah. to lose her humanity. This is the it's, topic. It's not her choice that she's that she's doing these things, right? Like the choices she's making are because she is losing what made her herself. And when you get to the end of the film, she has just completely lost all all humanness, and she's become, as I said to Eve, when that before that scene, she said, "I want to be the apex predator. I want to be like like nothing you've ever seen before." And I said to Eve, "I said, uh oh, things are going to get bad." I mean, like I said, special effects are going to get bad, and then I was right. Oh, it looks yeah, it looked and terrible. Also lucky, as again, someone else has said uh, that she didn't become an orca. You know, that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, like like. <laughs> Right? What? Are, yeah. What? What is the cheetah? Is the cheetah really yeah, an apex predator? Makes, yeah, the guy who makes the wish of just like I want to be you, candle. Well, then you turn into a candle. Yeah, that's what happens to you. Yeah. Now you're a human candle, and your head's on fire. <laughs> that's what happens. This is ironically, right? That's what happens. Well, yeah. If it follows, because like they mentioned in the film, the monkey's paw, right? Yeah. And then obviously they've never read the monkey's paw. Well, that's the thing because in the monkey's paw, what like I just sort of remember it now. I read in grade ten, but when the guy makes the wish, when the mom makes so the so the guy makes the wish to get two hundred pounds, right? And then his yeah. son dies in a in an industrial accident the next day, yeah. and he gets yeah. his insurance money. Yeah, that's the monkey's paw. But yeah. in this movie, that's not what happens. You don't like the person who suffers the most in the whole film is a poor engineer who has his body stolen from him for a few days and wakes up somewhere else and doesn't know what the hell happened. Like that's the person who has the worst time in the whole film. But, but, but the problem, yeah, the problem with the problem with that. Too, okay. First, let me just back up for one second and just go, what wish uh, did he make? Okay. Well, wait a second. Uh, they <laughs> didn't have a chance to make a wish. Um, so, so, okay. So, you know, the idea of them being rivals, yeah. that's great. Because you've already set up the first thing you've seen yeah. is like she's very competitive. She's so competitive. She'll do anything to win. Yeah. That's her yeah. as a young girl. That's right. And then and then her mom goes, and again, sorry, my wife Pia, she said afterwards, she just went, Oh my God, you know what the whole moral is? What? Don't be a cheetah. That was what the script was. So like she cheated, right? And I was like, oh. You can't be a cheater. And then her friend turns into a cheetah. Is that what you're saying? Because it really does feel like everyone is like, you're taking shortcuts, yeah. you're being a cheetah, yeah. including the cheetah. Like, oh my shit, that is no way what you're doing, is it? Um, but yeah, the the guy, who, now you're talking about the person who Steve Trevor replaces. Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, so that guy, well, he didn't have a chance to make a wish because like, he was kicked out of his <laughs> He's body. just a hapless dupe. Right, but okay, so then, okay, then we're going with that. The idea is like, if you make a wish, here's what happens. Yeah. Um, someone else gets hurt or someone else is put in danger mm-hmm. or it's not what you really expect it to be because yeah. there's another angle to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, that's fine. But then everyone else who's making wishes immediately happens exactly like it is. Like, you know, it's not like, you know, I want her to die. Oh, uh, like she immediately <laughs> dies. It's not like, oh, yeah. then a wrecking ball comes through yeah. and Final Destination style it happens. But for some reason, it's this incredibly elaborate body swap mm-hmm. when it's uh, the Diana <laughs> thing. Why? Yeah. What does that buy you? What does that buy you in any way? Like the only way that would buy you something is if you realize this is this guy's body. Mm-hmm. We can't do anything. So only I can only see you, and we can't. You can't risk your life because you're risking his life. 
So you can't do anything. You can't be the hero and you can't kiss me. You can't touch me. You can't do anything. Oh, that's a monkey's palm moment. Yeah. Excellent. But they don't do it. No, they don't. And there's no re- there's no pro to no, what they do. There's no yeah, there's no ir- ironic comeuppance or no kind of horrifying element to any of the wishes like Right. Any wish anyone makes, it's just like yeah, it's just like something something bad will happen, but it's not yeah, nothing makes fucking sense. That's the thing. <laughs> like, start to finish, nothing makes fucking sense. Like, there's a whole thing of like, you know, she's trying to keep this on the down low, who she is. Oh my god! So she's busting cameras <laughs> while dressed in a flag, with a, with a in a in a mall with a thousand people. With a thousand people, and she's the sparkliest, and she's flying with her magic lasso, and it's like, oh, all right, I know. Shut up about this. And then I love, I love when she like puts her fingers to her lips to the little kid, like, don't tell anyone. Well, that puts this kid in a terrible position because everyone will yeah. be like, everyone will be like, oh, did you see Wonder Woman there? She'll be like, no, you didn't. How did you miss? She was, didn't she like throw you down a aisle into a bear? No, no. Got to keep the secret. Like, what? What secret? <laughs> exactly. exactly. But she does it also to the, to the kids when she swings yeah. down on her magic lasso, which by the way, is become as irritating in that movie as a sonic screwdriver because it can do anything that's necessary at any moment. Yeah. But yeah, when she swings down and saves those kids, she's like rolling around on the ground. And she like goes, shh, you know, like whoa, don't tell anyone that I just well, rolled around in public with you on the ground, and then some trucks stopped in front of us. Seconds earlier, you know, there's uh, some girls who are shoplifting at a store. Yeah, and they run out of the store. Yeah, and unless I'm mistaken, nothing happens to them. Nothing at all. What's that about? It's it's girls. What's that about? It's Why a- would we? Don't what you know this is Wonder Woman, though? It's the guys who are the problem. Yeah, it's like, what are you talking about? What's, why was that? Like, what it really felt like there was a Richard Donner Superman movie where it's just like, well, you know, it's Metropolis, and everyone's a bit crooked, and everyone's a little bit meh. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what you're doing. And, and that's what I actually thought was mm-hmm. like, Oh, what they're doing is yeah. they're actually doing a like you're going like well it's weird with the 1984 movie they're not playing yeah. any music from 1984. Yeah, it's, that was strange. I kept expecting. I kept saying, "Where's Blue Monday?" Yeah, you're expecting. Yeah, you're expecting <laughs> all the stereotypical music. Yeah, yeah. You're expecting all. Yeah, they played that in the trailer. That's right. They're, they're, <laughs> they, they, they're, you're expecting all the all the hits you normally will get. Yeah. But I'm like, oh no, did they just do a 1984 style movie? Is that what they did? Because the opening really does read mm-hmm. as like uh, a, a Richard Donner. Type oh yeah, the car going way too fast around the corner, and yeah, it's all it's all that kind of shit. And like, oh, like, and also the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. Like a lot of people acting in ways that no human being would ever act, whether yeah, it was the eighties like, or not. Yeah, over the top craziness. You yeah, know? yeah. It, it, it would completely work in in that kind of uh, stuff, or even geez. A Tim Burton Batman, mm-hmm. you know, where everything's just over the top crazy and it's not grounded in reality. Unfortunately, yeah, she, there's so many setups with no payoffs at all. And you're, you're right; they forget about Wonder Woman for a time in the movie. Yeah, big, and then big it's just moment like, too. Oh yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah, they forget. Well, they have, they remember Diana, but they forget about Wonder Woman. It's the yeah. And we don't get any kind of like reference to to the gods or whatever. Like we find out later, but it's like. It's like an, over an hour and a half into the film, she comes back to the States and they look in that book and they discover that it's some sort of uh, god from Mexico. Well, they go like, it's the Duke of Deception. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that this guy. like they're looking. Okay, <laughs> the Duke of Deception. Well, first of all, it sounds like that could be Satan, one. Sure. It's like, you know, the Duke the of Deception sounds yeah. like Lord of Lies. Okay, but the Duke of Deception. Well, boy, howdy. Let's see who that is. <laughs> 
Nope. Can't wait to see. It's, it's, I, I think <laughs> this is smart because they have not showed us this villain yeah. in the trailers. Yeah. Uh, let's see who they're going to be. No, they're not in the movie. What the fuck are you doing? Why did you even mention it then? Why did you mention the Doom of Deception? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just like mentioning <sighs> Dr. Doom and Dr. Doom doesn't show up. <laughs> it's as stupid as like having the Justice League movie and mention Darkseid and yeah. Darkseid doesn't show up. And like, yeah, yeah Darkseid, he's a, I know the guy. Uh-huh. Going to be in this movie? No. Why? <laughs> you know what the movie should have really done. I'm just thinking now is when Steve Rogers reappears, then what he the sacrifice that he made in World War One shouldn't exist then, and so it you know then history changes. Yeah, there's consequences. There's consequences. There should be consequences of that, you know. But there are no consequences. But except for the guy who got kicked out of his own body, <laughs> that guy, fuck him. I mean, the movie never even mentions this. Like, it, Wonder Woman's not bothered by it. She doesn't say, "Well, this is terrible. You're inhab- you're inhabiting the body of another person." And then you, and then okay, if it's not enough that like it is rape, then you know <laughs> he had sex with his body. Yeah. Um, then later on, he's risking his life all yeah. the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's an issue. Uh, yeah, it's a big issue. And all you need to do is is you need to just do the quantum leap thing. Yeah, of just like you know, everyone else sees me as this guy. Are you that guy? No, he's safe. Where is he? He's where I was. Where's that? I can't tell you that. Sounds good. Fair enough. Now well, let's move on. I mean, if I guess you die, he will go back. I guess if yeah, you insist fine. on doing that, but I mean, she made a wish. There doesn't have to be like any explanation of how he shows up. He can just show up without having to like displace a person. It's a wish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's magic. We've already we just established in the movie that it's people can make magical wishes and walls will grow out of the, out of the ground. Like it, it, like there's nothing to stop them from just having Steve Trevor just appear. Like just and, and there he is. They don't, they don't do enough with you know. In the first movie, the whole thing was she comes to man's world and he's got to mansplain everything. Just <laughs> like this is how dresses work. Yeah, you can't do this. A lady can't do that. And this is this now. <laughs> Steve is in our world, but he's an old-timey guy. Yeah. He doesn't get the things. And now Wonder Woman has to explain it to him, and they don't really do that. They're just like, no, nah, now your pants look dumb. What are you talking about? Like, Wait, hey, don't forget you thought a garbage can was a was a piece of art. What a yeah, jerk. It's, it's just this, yeah, it's this offhanded, hmm. yeah, I guess that's a thing. Oh. Yeah. Like, wouldn't he ask, like, you know, well, here's one one aspect. Like, when they're in the, um, the uh, museum yeah. of... Uh, air and, and space, you know, just like, oh, this was a tank that was in World War Two. World War what? Like, to a guy <laughs> who was in World War One. Yeah. You know, the war to end all wars. I, I don't think it was called the word end all wars until after the war, to be fair. Like, no one, no one who was fighting was saying, this is probably the word end all wars. And everyone else was like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to, to him, this was a big deal, this war. Yeah. And then, like, and then going, like, you kept fighting these wars, huh? Oh, so... It, that, mm-hmm. Oh, because of that war, then you had World War Two. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's horrible. Like he's a soldier, he would think that was horrible. Yeah. yeah. What are things like now? Now there's nuclear weapons. What? What's his view on nuclear weapons? That's that's horrible. Like everything's gone from him in the trenches to to this, and like war has evolved to this bizarre thing where like you know we can destroy the earth many many times over. And like her whole thing in the first movie was, I'm going to stop war, not this war. Yeah. I'm going to stop war. Mm. And this person who stopped war fucked up big time because <laughs> war is worse than ever beyond beyond right now. But he doesn't give a shit because no one cares. And he's wearing a fanny pack. And isn't that weird? And there you go. <laughs> ah. Yeah. 
Well, the reason I... Th- well, I mean, so, so I just think the film would have been... When I was talking about the rivalry between her and, and Kirsten Wiggs, Kristen Wiggs character, I just feel like like it needed something there to like create like a sense of why. But the movie just can't help itself. It just like there's that scene where, like you say, they went for lunch together. Like, like, uh, but really, she Diana. We've already established that Diana doesn't want to be with people. You know, she's eating by herself in the restaurant. The guy comes yeah. along and says, "Is someone joining you?" She says, "No," and takes the stuff away and stuff. And then you know, she's talking a little bit to to to. Um, I can't remember the name of the character in the movie, but uh, Kristen Wiig's character, and she, she says, um, you know, she's like, "Oh, could we maybe have lunch or whatever?" And and that like Diana should just blowing her off because she doesn't do that. She doesn't eat with other people, you know, and that and that hurts uh, Kristen Wiig's character's feelings. And then you start to get this sense of rivalry between them, and maybe because Diana's so accomplished and beautiful, she you know she she attracts. She's more attractive to other men, and that gets. Because make the character angry, you know, or jealous, you know. Like, there's got to be some motivating thing to why you, you know, why she wants to be who she is and do what she's going to do, you know. Like, I don't know. It's just yeah. The only thing, the only reason for Steve is so she can put the past behind her. That's the only reason to have him there. As for because she's living in the past, yeah, and uh, she hasn't. She's using him as an excuse to not move forward and fall in love. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here's the real fucking problem with this. With, okay. With this. okay. I mean, this is this is the big fucking problem. It's like, well, who's she in love with in this? She's in love with the uh, cheetah. That's who she's in love with. She has a meet cute with her for, for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, she goes and says, "You're the funniest person I've ever met." They're having a delightful time at lunch. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's saying how she's not interested in any men right now. <laughs> she grew up on an island where women. All she's seen are examples of women dating each other. They don't date men. They date each other. Okay. So, like, just in, in regular, you know, comic book land, uh, Wonder Woman is bisexual. So, this is – she's in love with, with Cheetah. That's the thing. And so, you know, as things go along and then, and then uh, you know, Cheetah turns into Cheetah, now we got some stakes. This person that she was, like, you know, interested in and in love with. You know, uh, is is turning evil and becoming corrupt with power, and now we've got real stakes instead of eh, they're kind of chums, they're kind of buddies. <laughs> well, they, know, they can't they can't do that in they can't do that in a big they movie like this. They had one lunch so. together, yeah. <laughs> so you know, yeah, they really kind of like each other. And I know what you're saying. You're saying like you can't sell it then in other lands, but you know, I think that I think that ship's going to sail real real soon. They're going to like they're going to have that. That's going to be done. There's going to be enough characters coming into the Marvel world that are going to be like a gay and bisexual that like, it's just forget it. You can't, you can't do that anymore. And so, you know, Wonder Woman, Hey, that's the thing. Cause what you don't root for her and Steve to be together, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's done, he's dead. Yeah. And like, no, and also it devalues the sacrifice that he made in the original film. Like that's, you know, like, like that's, that's, that's the emotional core of that movie. And now you've cut, you've taken that away from that film, you know, like, you know, that loss that she experienced, that's, you know, that's part of who she is. And that, I don't know, I just, yeah, I, I don't like that kind of, you, yeah, yeah, yeah you, can, you just can't go home again. That's the thing. And it doesn't, and you can't, and you, I mean, I understand they, both those actors had really great chemistry in the first film. You know, the, 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 the whole impossible boat scene is, is, was, is, is fun. Like their conversations and stuff are great. Yeah. But, you know, 
move on. Like you also as filmmakers, you have to move on. Not just Wonder Woman needs to move on, but you also need to move on and yeah, the find. Yeah. The symbolism there <laughs> is like, you know, she's living in the past, but she's also working in a museum. Mm-hmm. So she's living in the past. <laughs> like she's literally we, living in the past. We get it. Yeah. Not only just living in the past, but for 70 years or whatever, she's been living in the past. It's and I know just... some people uh, were kind of complaining that the Max Lord character had, uh, you know, no, again, it doesn't seem like much comeuppance to him at the end either, even though a lot of people suffered. Yeah. But my, my thing on that would have been my fan fiction or just a line that would have worked was like earlier on his son, you know, when he asked like, what do you want? And his son said, I want to be with you. And he's like, no, 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 no. You got a good wish, a real wish. And then he's, and so the kid has to make a, a wish for something else. He wishes for something else, but he didn't wish for something. else. He wanted to be with his dad. Yeah. That was his real wish. Yeah. So that's the, and then you get the whole Wonder Woman truth versus lies. So he really, truly, purely wanted to be like, it's not with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, when she's wishing Steve comes back, she's wishing in a bad place and for a bad reason. And it's, it's not pure but this kid purely loves his father and wants to be with his father so the only wish that really survives at the end is he wants to be with his dad so he is able to be with his dad because that was his wish and so he gets it and you know whether it was because of the candle or or because his dad actually loves him and they're this that's fine but that was a real true pure wish and so that one gets to come true and it's okay it's not a lie it's not a shortcut it's it's real you know that would work, but uh, they didn't do that. I, yeah, but I don't know if that would work in in line with the idea that this is created by a trickster god. Who, you know, the trickster god isn't going to go like, oh, this kid is pure at heart. I'm going to, I'm going to slightly, you know, he doesn't well, care about that stuff. The de- okay, if it's like the devil, the devil can't warp something that is pure. Like yeah. the, the devil can take, you know, you think I want to be rich. Oh, you want to be rich? Do you? Yeah. Well, all right, here we go then. You know, but the devil can't actually go like, oh, you want to love your father? Do you? Well, I, I can't. You know, <laughs> well, you could. I mean, you can make child's love of his father. Yeah, I can't. I can't mess around with that. Yeah, I can't do anything with it. Fine, fine. That's out of my. That's out of my league. I got no power from that. It's not a corrupt wish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that takes away the agency from from Max Lord in terms of a redemption arc. If the only reason he comes back again is because the boy made a wish, but okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's not. He doesn't come back because he's magic. But I think like the reason that you don't have Max Lord in prison at the end is is because of that. So he gets to be yeah. with his. Well, the reason it because the reason he's not in prison is because the movie ends before he goes to prison. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. You don't know where what's this, yeah. Where does this world? Okay, so so the first time we're in, I guess, uh, this world is when we're in Man of Steel. That's the first time we're in this world. Does okay. this world remember a time in the eighties where they all made a magic wish? And, and, and <laughs> well, that's changed. that's a problem with putting it in 1984. Yeah, they have no, and you won't remember this. Yeah, there's a problem with with having it in the past. I know that they wanted it because they thought that would be fun, which is like the centerpiece of this movie. But they don't have fun with it. But they don't have any fun with it, and because I don't think that that's the nature of the director of the film. I don't think that she thinks in terms of fun. You know, like she made a movie called Monster about a, a serial killer. You know, like that's that's where she that's where her her talent lays you know and that sort of you know the sort of raw emotional stories of pain and suffering and stuff like that which works really well in the first wonder woman where you know you get that sense of of you know 
how terrible the war is and and the suffering and and the horrors of it all but then she tries to take and make this movie and it's just it feels really clunky because it's not made you know the attempts of being at being light-hearted or whatever don't really work you know they're not even they're not even working like a a kind of cruel richard lester way you know where it's just kind of like Yeesh. that's a sense of humor i don't know if i want to live in i think the i think the biggest problem is they don't know what wonder woman is uh, like anytime Wonder Woman comes into a movie, especially yeah, a Wonder uh, Woman, she's oh, a bondage she's... slave. So why don't they have more? Okay. Well, you could make it sexy, but they don't even want to do sex. I know they don't. And... Uh, so it's like, what do you do with her? Yeah. So of course, you know, the first time you see her is in Batman v Superman, and there's a creature that's made a, you know, cri- you know, that can only be killed with a kryptonite spear. Yeah. And Superman's well, I'm the only one who can do this. It's like, oh, but Wonder Woman's there, and she's <laughs> as strong as you. And I think she knows how to handle a spear. And kryptonite doesn't hurt her. But no, you're right. You're the only guy for the job. And that's basically the. She's not. She's not stronger than Superman. She can fight Superman pretty good. She punches Superman, and so she's fought Superman in like the Justice League. And it depends. What here's here's my other nerdy thing about this. Yeah. If you're going if you're going comics, she's magic. So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's yeah. She's she's as strong as Hercules. Mm. She can she punches Superman. He can feel it. But, you know, but is she as is she as is she as wise as Solomon? No, that's Shazam. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, Shazam and Wonder Woman should be the same strength because they are both Hercules strong. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But they you know, <laughs> they don't know what to do with Wonder Woman. You know, as, and again, no. the problem with Justice League is they start off that movie going, she's incredibly fast. In fact, watch her watch a bullet slowly go by her. Oh, she's incredibly <laughs> fast. And then they have the big scene where uh, Superman and Flash are fighting. But they're so fast, only they can see what's going on. Yeah. Well, why'd you establish that she was fast? Yeah. Oh, we just forgot about her. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. And in this movie, for you're right, twenty minutes, they forget that Wonder Woman's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a big mistake. No, it's they a good point. I, I I agree with you. I think I think you're right that they don't because really, really what do they have? Like, if you're not going to have her be sexy, then she's kind of schoolmarmish, you know, and 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 because. She's not fun. She's not a fun person. She's very serious. She's, you know, she works in a museum. She looks at old things and seems very, you know, very task oriented. But she doesn't seem to be like. And I know she's. I know she's laughing hilariously at a joke we never get to hear. But that's not. That doesn't work, right? It doesn't make you convinced that a person's funny if someone walks up to you and says, "Oh, you should talk to so and so. He's hilarious." Well, your first thought is, "I guess I'll be the judge of that." Yeah, but, but you don't got, get to judge it. You got her off the top, learning a lesson as a little girl, which is don't take shortcuts. By the way, my problem with that is uh, someone kicks her earlier on in the thing, so it's like, oh, this is a no holds barred, anything goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Just, like kicked her, <laughs> so like they were actually assaulting each other. But it's like, oh, and then I saw you. You took the shortcut. Yeah. Yes, because I didn't have a horse. So you would think like mom was going, you thought on your feet and good for you. That's what you've got to do sometimes. And so then later in the movie, you're like, yeah, that's the thing about Wonder Woman. It's like when there's no uh, way of doing something, she'll figure out a way. Cause yeah. She's very clever. But instead, mom's thing is you were cheating and that was bad. Yeah. Well, who put the person kicking me in the spine? Anything <laughs> about that? No, nothing. And it's like, okay, then the whole thing is don't cheat. Fine. Well, yeah, it's not even, it's not even don't, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's don't cheat. But also she did miss one of the little things that you're supposed to shoot. Okay. You know, so she obviously is disqualified at that point. Didn't you want like her to go, I'm fucking eight. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's impressive. That's right. This gives the whole crowd a big middle finger. Yeah. Fuck you all. Yeah, who wants to fight me? And she pulls out a knife like, take me. Come on, let's go. I will, I will F you up. <laughs> well, apparently the studio wanted her to get rid of either that scene or the mall scene. And uh, and I don't, I, you know, I pref- if, I, if it's up to me, I would actually cut off that, cut out that first opening sequence. I don't think it was that entertaining um, or that necessary to the movie other than like kind of hitting over the head with the, what's going to happen later. But you don't need that kind of stuff. It's pretty clear. Like what the movie's trying to say, she has a whole speech about it later on. Just, you know, so doesn't it make the Island seem stupid. Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like you kind of got it in the last movie where like, Oh, they're fighting. What are they fighting on a hill? And they fight on horses and they fight with spears. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This all makes sense. And they fight really, really well. Yeah. 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 Well, now you're doing a giant version of Wipeout. Like, you've built some <laughs> Wipeout sets. Like, it's all with them running on those red balls. And like, Super Ninja Warrior. Oh, man, I see what they didn't have the people doing the announcing on it. Yeah, and you're like, okay. <laughs> oh, she really took a header. Yeah, wouldn't this kill them if they fell? Like, are they, like I know that Diana has powered by the gods, but it feels like you guys are, like, ten stories up. Like, and kicking each other. Like, you're going to die. Unless uh, there's something about the Amazons that I'm unaware of where, like, you, you don't die from falling. Mm. And if so, tell me about it, because that's interesting. But, Amazon, right. Amagon. Yeah, you all gather together to watch this. and Boy, there's a lot of you. Holy <laughs> shit, there's a lot of you. What yeah. about you guys in the stands? Are you all, like... What are you like? Are yeah. you their wives? How can you? Like, what are you? Their kids? Like, what are you? What are you? What's your deal? And are you really enjoying this? Because like only an eighth of the race is visible. So <laughs> this is the other problem. Yes. <laughs> What's going I assume on? Assume things are going well. <laughs> I guess they can watch. They can watch the pendants dropping as as the as the little uh the they shoot the little bags of chalk or whatever on the on the uh, targets. But yeah, I don't. This didn't need that scene because, like you say, it it you know. It's better to leave that kind of stuff to your imagination. When the first film we see, like, um, the, um, is it Robin Wright getting, she sacrificed herself to save Diana. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, there you go. That's good. You see exactly, that's, stuff, yeah. that's the nature of, of the Amazons is, as the courageous, they're self-sacrificing. We get it. We don't need anything else. We don't need to ever go back there again. And there's a, and there's a nice little thing of like, she used to be the princess bride. And now she's the leader of the Amazon. This all <laughs> that's, works. That's right. This all works great. Well, you go back to the island if, you know, uh, you know. again, there's a thing they do in the comic, which is one of the reasons that the Amazons have the island. It's because the island uh, also, like, uh, guards a gateway to uh, Hades, where all these monsters are. And that's where they put them all. So they're all sealed up. Okay. And, like, you know, the, the Amazons are the first line of defense when, like, you know, these creatures break out. They've got to put them back in. It's like, wow, that's really interesting. Do you want anything with that? Nah. No. Again, <laughs> play a game of the super warrior ninja or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fine. But like, we've established like gods were real, and there's magic. Don't anything? Do you want to do something with that? I guess everyone gets a wish. All right, fine. Do the Amazons get a wish? Do they on their island? Does everyone in the world know about this, and so they get a wish too? Does anyone make a wish? And then you got also you got this big problem too of just like I'm sure some people with fatal diseases wish that they uh, didn't have fatal diseases. And, and now yeah. and now she's going. You must renounce your wish. Give it away. Give away your wish. I'm like, well, no. 
I'm not going to. Yeah. Everyone in the world isn't going to give away that wish. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> it's just, I was just thinking about the beginning of the film again. Because, yeah, get rid of that scene on the island. Because then you just have... Because basically the movie starts with two scenes that are completely unrelated to the actual film. Like nothing that happens in that opening sequence and nothing that happens in the mall sequence has any bearing on any part of the plot of the rest of the film. So you could get rid of both of those sequences and the film would be exactly the same. Oh God, I just... Oh, so go, please continue. I was just going to say, and the other thing that's so hilarious about the mall sequence to me is that, yes, when she takes care to make it so that no one will... Nothing will... You know, there's no cameras looking at her or whatever. Although she's already doing stuff before, the, so the cameras have already seen her. She can't retroactively stop the cameras from from looking at her. But also, she goes to all the trouble of like saving these guys from dropping and stuff like that. And then the scene ends with them falling from like a couple stories onto a car roof. <laughs> Aren't they then dead? Didn't you just kill them? Like, well, a car roof is a good thing to drop people on. It does collapse, but yes. I don't think it collapses. I don't think it saves your life if you drop from a height onto a car roof. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a fair, that's a fair point. <laughs> it just seems like here such a be, weird. Yeah. Here would be the darkest yeah. way to go with this. Okay. Is um, there's a thing where like, you know, and not every, is go like, not everyone renounced their wish. We can say that. Like say <laughs> not everyone renounced their wish. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but here's what you do. You go like, you've got, you can make any wish come true. And, but a lot of people don't know this, but if they still are affected by it because Wonder Woman didn't know about this wish situation mm-hmm. and she made a wish and then it came true. She was not aware she was making a wish, but it did come true. So you have an elderly couple who are like uh, walking through their farm and they're, they're just like, you know, uh, talking about their regrets for their lives and just like, I just wish we had a son. And then all of a sudden, a rocket comes down from space and hits their <laughs> farm. Bam! And I'm like, whoa! And what the-, the? And they go and they go yep. check that out. Meanwhile, cut to Gotham, and uh, and uh, uh, and 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 Bruce has been like a jerk during the opera. Like he's been like restless, and he was like chewing gum or whatever. And I thought they like, saw a really? movie. I thought they went to a movie. Didn't they go see Zorro? Oh, well, originally it was opera. Oh, okay. And then it was like Zorro later. Okay. And- Sorry. Other things. So you can go Zorro if you want. So a movie. All right, fine. You were throwing stuff at the screen. You were whatever. Yeah. So we're leaving. We're leaving midway through. Like, no, I don't want to. And then, like, they leave. And, like, we're going. And so they leave. And they leave. Oh, the reason they're in an alley is because they left by the movie exits, mm. which are let you out into an alley. That's yeah. where they let you out. Yeah. So they let you out and just like, well, we're going home. But you said we were going to stop for this. Well, we're not going to stop for this. Yeah, well, I wish you guys were dead. And just like then a guy comes out, blammo, blammo, dead, dead. Bruce killed his parents with his wish. Oh boy! And so now he's a fucking mess. And so there you go. So basically, you just make like all the uh, Justice League have their origins at this wish moment. Sure, but yeah. you but you are making these wishes. Well, I guess they do have a cost. Well, one has a cost. A terrible. Yeah, cost. Bruce didn't want, really want his parents to be dead, and these guys sure as hell didn't want to raise an alien super baby. <laughs> As a couple of people from Kansas, a <laughs> couple know, of old, couple of old folks. Yeah, old folks from Kansas. They don't want to raise a kid yeah. who can, you know, uh, burn them with his supervision. You know, and uh, they're changing his diaper, watching out <laughs> for the pee, and also watching out for the lasers. No so good. Yeah, so you do that. That's what I'd say. But the biggest problem, of course, is they don't know what to do with Wonder Woman. What is Wonder Woman? Uh, I think she's loving, she's charming, and I think the thing about Wonder Woman is she enjoys her job. I think she enjoys her job. Superman doesn't. 
Superman, the version they've got, uh, does not enjoy what he does. He bummed around till he was 33, uh, dragged into what he was going to do. Yeah, Batman, yeah. miserable son of a bitch. Hates <laughs> it. Killed a Robin, no good, uh, having a rough time. Doesn't like his job. Wonder Woman, could be living in paradise, decides to come to our world to help, uh, enjoys what she's doing, uh, and, and it's just like uh, always loving learning things and seeing things. And that's why she works at the museum because she's always like curious about things. And yeah, she's, she's enjoying life. And, uh, so that makes her different than any of the other superheroes who are just miserable. Mm. I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> I, I guess, but she has to have some, some imperfections too. She just can't be like this, sure. this shining beacon of perfection. I mean, that's, no, 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 no. that's as no, dull as Ditchwater too. But, but at their, but, you know, I mean, Superman, you know, uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman enjoyed what he did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he still was, like, upset at times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can, you, can, you can definitely play that. But at the core of it, the reason she's here is because she chooses to be. Whereas I think Batman is just like, this is my destiny. Yeah. And Superman, I've got an obligation. And it's like her is, ah, I really like this world. It's Yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. I like the people. Yeah, this is great. Well, super- okay. Superman's character works as a as a boy scout kind of character because he has the hard bitten Lois Lane as a foil you know and she she kind of she acts as the as the interesting you know kind of flaw in to him that he loves her despite her you know despite who she is yeah she's the cynical one that, yeah uh, yeah but Whereas i think i think she like wonder woman is kind of thor in that she would be a hard drinking partying type cuz she comes from the amazon rar you know, lifestyle very, very. Competitive. I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see any of that going on on the island. They all seem to be really uh, fitness oriented. Oh, they were very competitive. Like in the first movie, I know, know they're competitive, but they're competitive with their fitness. You don't see them eating and drinking and, and being merry. You just see them all the time. They're always, they're always like practicing archery a, and. It'd be weird to be a warrior culture and then not have that kind of ha you know thing as well. Well, they don't like, show it. Did, they don't show it. So. Yeah, we don't see them eat. This is the thing. It's yeah, true. You got to see them eat. Yeah, you have to. If you want, if you want me to think something is happening in a movie, you have to. You have to show it. You can't just yeah. can't just assume that it's going on. You know, what if they? Yeah. Yeah, they forget about Wonder Woman. I don't, Wonder yeah. Well, I mean, they shouldn't. I mean, I mean, this movie was written by the director as well. Like, she didn't write the first film, but she wrote this one. You know, so she, you know, I assume that she decided she was going to write this film because she understood Wonder Woman's character better than anyone, and I. I don't. I don't know about that. She doesn't. She's wrong. She's <laughs> she is wrong. She's very incorrect about that. And also, it, like literally, it felt like you know the final shot of Cheetah is them just realizing, oh fucking Cheetah. Yeah. <laughs> they just cut to Cheetah, and she's like, "What? Am I doing anything? Am I? Can I am I wrapped for the day? Yeah. No, done. We're done. Yeah. It's like, okay. Well, wait a second. Wait till you see this bonus scene at the end. Oh, oh no. Like I mean, you like to see her. It's great to see her, but that's that's too much setup. Yeah. And then up, yeah, it's like, uh-huh. and like, yeah. It doesn't mean anything because it's not going to pay off in any way. They're not going to have her in the next movie. Yeah. She's not going to be a major character in the next film. Yeah. So it's just it's just there for this pure fan service that's totally meaningless. And she's been she was all over um, Supergirl. She was the president in Supergirl. Mm, yeah. For, uh, yeah. Like two years. Okay. So uh, it's fine. You know, it's. I mean, we we love you. You're great. Um, uh, <laughs> huh. It would be nice to have to see you do something instead of just like grab something real easy. Like 
I say no. I'd say she's fine. I don't know if great's the word, but ah, she was. Yeah, a, she was a great Wonder Woman. You were. A, yeah, I don't know. Was, was that a great show? It's been a while since I watched it. It was. You know what? Uh, watch <laughs> the uh, watch the first uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, she's really good in that. Yeah. Oh, and that just reminds me of the jet. Oh my gosh. Where she decides to, she decides this on the spur of the moment to turn it invisible. She's got powers that she. Yeah, yeah. No, have you? You know, those were well established. Those powers. Yeah. You remember how the much jet, they take the it? But jet is uh, fueled up outside. <laughs> yeah, sitting on fueled. And only that, it's a, it's a, it's a, a jet. There, are people sit side by side. Like oh, there's, there's so much problem. It's. <laughs> I was watching that. I was just like, do they even make jets like that? But apparently, there is a jet uh, that's like that. But you know. Like that's not the jet that they're showing though. So my yeah, my, my angle on uh, on my again, fan fiction of Wonder Woman is this: is the original story was Steve Trevor crashes his plane yeah. into Paradise Island. Oh, c- careless. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he's getting away from something, doesn't see that there's an island there because it's hidden, and he crashes it, and there you go. <laughs> so they fi- they fix him up and what have you. Yeah. What I was thought was that like, oh, while he's being tended to. Mm-hmm. The, me- the more mechanical-minded on the island are just like, well, we should fix this plane. But they don't know how to fix the plane. And they're like, oh, well, he'd need camouflage, so let's fix that. So they so they adjust the plane, and they and they make it so that it turns invisible because that's the thing he'd need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I assume camouflage, that's, so they do that. That's and damn so good camouflage, except that you can see the pilot then. Just, that's such great. That's yeah, that's a great a fair thing. <laughs> Um, but they fixed the plane, so yep. now he's got this super plane that's like you know really really fast and can turn invisible, and that makes sense now because yeah, they fixed his plane, and it's like someone fixing mm. your car but with modern parts. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's a supercar, but the problem is then he can't fly it because I don't know how to work this. Well, Diana knows how to work it. Uh, well, what's she gonna do? Fly me home? Yeah, I'll fly you home. So she, so she's like, I can do that. So she she flies him flies him home, and then they get into Wonder Woman adventures. There you are, because he can't get back otherwise. Yeah. He can't work a, an elaborate Amazon-style you know, plane. He's a dumb guy. You know? There. Oh, I thought they just re- redo his plane. Yeah, they do redo his plane. But, they've, but, they, they, but, but they add enough stuff to it that he doesn't get it. Oh, is yeah. that what happens? Yeah. Or, are you just, or are you speculating this? Is... I'm making this up. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were, t- I thought you were describing an actual storyline. or something. No, I am not. Okay. But I do think that they should use something from the comics, which is they ride kangaroos. <laughs> I don't think they need that. They ride you, giant kangaroos. That's ridiculous. That'd be fantastic. If like at some point they're like, we gotta get to we gotta get to this thing. All right, let's go. And then you just turn a corner and you see these kangaroos are all lassoed up, ready to go, and they get on the back of these kangaroos and they just hop. That'd be brilliant. You'd just be like, Woo, kangaroos. That'd be great. <laughs> all right, well, if you say so. Want the Australian? Uh, if you market. say so, yeah, it would certainly capture the Australian market. You're right. All right, You're fine. Right. And then, get to, oh, oh, just one more thing. Here. Just one more thing. Please. Well, the other thing I love in the movie is is uh, where uh, Kristen Wiig's character is like talking to that homeless man, and she's like, "Keep warm," and she like tucks the his blanket up or whatever, and she you know makes sure he's okay, and you know, and so you're like, "Oh, I guess it's like fall or winter, or whatever." And then then when they're flying in the jet, it's it's July Fourth. You're like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" How, why was he having to keep warm? It's July. Like, how how cold does it get in Washington D.C. in July? Like, isn't that kind of like a southerly southerly area where the Washington D.C. is? Like, I'm sure it's warm there in July, even yeah, at night. 
This is a very good point. You found the one flaw in the movie. <laughs> I just, this is so thoughtless. But you know, because it's, it's just an example though of where they just want to oh, do not something. Caring. Yeah, they just want to do something caring. so because it's cool. So we'll have them fly through the fireworks on the Fourth of July. Isn't that cool? Because Wonder Woman, she's the symbol of America, like any good Amazonian princess. Yeah, it's they just so. A firework. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, Okay, right. let us get to our letters. Letters. We've got letters. Uh, our first letter. Uh, well, before you... Letter. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say think, before you do something, but I, I, I'm not ready. Dave, why don't you talk for like uh, about five, uh, about four minutes while I go use the washroom. Go. Okay. Talk. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. All right. I have been thrown into the lines. Well, actually, what I wanted to do then while Ian is gone is I wanted to read a couple of responses we had to not this most recent episode's questions where we asked you about your favorite sport and also your favorite TV spinoff, which we will get to in a moment. But this relates to Kanan's question of uh, how did you discover Sneaky Dragon and how long have you been listening? And we got a couple of tweet responses and I forgot to read them last time. And so I thought that um, I would do this time to make up for my forgetfulness. Well, I can never make up for it, but I apologize. Uh, so Ferg, he says Ferg, as his actual Twitter thing handle is Ferg Atari 2600 Misfit Dentist. So thank you for that. It's a good reference to Paul Souls, who played, of course, Herbie. Is it Herbie or Hermie? Anyway, that dentist on Rudolph the <laughs> Anyway, or potential elf dentist. Ferg says, I found Completely Beatles first. That seems to be the usual... Thank God for Completely Beatles. We'd just be nowhere. I found Completely Beatles first. I started listening to Sneaky Dragon after I finished that podcast. I think I've been a sneaker since the 240s. That's quite a while. I don't know how long that is, but it's quite a while. And then Scott replied. He said, same with me. Beatles, then the Marx Brothers, and then finally the main Sneaky Dragon podcast about three years ago. So there we go. Thank you, everyone, for answering that. And... Please, I'm going to try and remember from now on to to uh, put our questions onto Twitter. So if you do want to answer there, we will read them on the show. Also, if Mr. Absent-Minded over here, that's me I'm referring to, not Ian. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> is, uh, if I remember. If I don't remember, well, then we'll do it the week after. All right? Please, please remind us. So there we go. All right. On to letters. All right. Last week, we talked about what's your favorite sport? Either to watch or play, and uh, what's your favorite TV uh, show spinoff? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, Louise, by the way, it's Louise's birthday as we're recording this today. So, it uh, is? To, to our friend Louise, happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday, Louise. Even though you're hearing this uh, 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 two or three days later. Uh, I hope it was a delightful birthday. And uh, a happy birthday to your uh, twin brother as well. <laughs> Louise is a twin, and as we've established uh, earlier on, she is the evil twin. Yes, most All definitely. Right. As you can tell, because of her eye patch. Yes, and that she goes wahaha. <laughs> <after, after laughs> whatever, whatever she does, she always finishes it by saying wahaha. Yeah, but she has asked us uh, whenever we see her and her brother together to not go. Which one do I shoot? She doesn't <laughs> find that funny anymore. <laughs> she once found it hilarious. Yeah, uh, until we. Shot her brother. <laughs> um, Louise writes, My favorite sport to watch is figure skating or uh, patinage artistique, as it is called en français. 
Nice. It is as much a performing art as a sport. I like to armchair judge the costumes, music, and choreography. Can I just break in? Please do. And say that I also love figure skating, which I inherited from my mother. My mother loved uh, figure skating as well. I remember as a kid being taken to see Karen Magnuson skate at the Pacific Coliseum. But my favorite is uh, ice dancing. I love the, uh, that's, that's more, um, to me, it's, it's entirely subjective. Like there's absolutely no, like no reason for it to be in the Olympics <laughs> at all, but I just love it because I especially love the couples, uh, ice dancing. Go on, Ian. I like to armchair judge armchairs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I don't enjoy sobriety movies per se, but I do like movies which show how substance abuse impairs the protagonist and where you root for them to clean up their act to solve the crime or to save a relationship before it's too late. Sea of Love with Al Pacino, for example, showed the consequences of being an alcoholic detective. I've seen that movie 30 times. Um, what? Just because I was an usher. It's one of those movies. Oh, okay. okay. Tremors, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I want to say four. Um, but because I had to walk in and like stand in the back. And just make sure people weren't, you know, doing shenanigans. Yeah. So I ended up, like, seeing those movies over and over and over and over again. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, it showed the consequences of being an alcoholic detective. It almost cost him uh, the case and his life. In the end, he's on the wagon, and that's what gives him a second chance with Ellen Barkin's character. Hmm. I like the TV series The Flight Attendant with Kaylee uh, Kuko uh, for the same reason. Clearly, she needs rehab. But first, she needs to solve a murder and clear her name which is really hard to do when you're not sober. I do want to see that. As for her favorite spinoffs, Lou Grant, Trapper John M.D., Fraser, Angel, and Private Practice. Trapper John M.D. technically being a spinoff of the movie, not the television series. Oh. Make a fuss about that, yes. Uh, is that because they don't have the rights? I think it is the, is because they would have to pay some extra money. I see. Uh, whereas, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple other reasons for it too, but yeah, mm. it's a spinoff of the film. Cool. Um, Edward, uh, Dragansky, uh, replies to Louise. I really enjoyed Sea of Love too. Thought Pacino and uh, Barkin had some good chemistry in the film. I can remember being blown away with the basketball diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio. His role as a gifted student on the bas- school basketball team who gets addicted to heroin had an indelible effect on my memory. It's the rehab that Ernie Hudson puts DiCaprio through that sticks in my mind. A worthy performance that doesn't glamorize drugs shows a what a what a struggle is like to win over an addiction. Um, yeah, that was a, that was definitely a good film. Uh, Sarah Walsh writes, "Hey Sarah, yes, as I mentioned in last week's comment, I am a big baseball fan. Cool. Uh, my grandfather got me started collecting baseball cards when I was about eight or nine, and I was a pretty active kid, so I played a little. Unfortunately, I had the fear of the ball coming at my face." that I could never quite get over, so I never played on a team. Just casual neighborhood games and lots of playing catch with friends or against the garage door. Neighbors must have loved that. I had a good arm, and I'd be out there a couple of hours every day. (laughs) I'm not sure uh, exactly what it is about baseball that appeals to me so much. The pace is very different from most sports. Very slow most of the time until really, really fast for a little bit, then slow again. But there's lots of suspense in the slow parts. And during the six-month season, each team plays just about every day. So it becomes very familiar and routine to turn on a game in the background. The announcers uh, for my favorite team are really fun, too. Uh, I still think about uh, maybe uh, joining a local softball league. 
But between that stupid fear of the ball and some physical issues I have now, it probably wouldn't work out. Oh well, there's always catch with friends. Uh, does Laverne and Shirley count as a spinoff? Sure does. I, I think they were on Happy Days a few times to start with and then got their own show, right? Only one time on Happy Days and then they did appear on Happy Days later on. Um, I started watching uh, when I was going through my big Spinal Tap uh, phase around 2013 for Lenny and Squiggy. Fun fact, Nigel Tufnell appears on Lenny and Squiggy's live album. Uh, oh, we're going to get into that. Let me actually break from that and say uh, other fun fact about that. They appeared on American Bandstand. So the first live appearance of Nigel Tufnell is on American Bandstand, and they go around and... Uh, introduce the band, and Nigel introduces himself with the British accent. He had the character then on American Bandstand. Wow. Yeah, but I ended up loving the whole show. Lenny and Squiggy did some great songs. Look up some of their songs on, um, well, of course, the album, but uh, also just look up some of their songs on YouTube. Uh, as for Chumbawamba, oh, why does every, <laughs> every letter have to end with as for Chumbawamba? They really are so ridiculously much more than tub-thumping but I'll restrain myself. Uh huh. If anyone's actually interested in a playlist of what really, uh, these are the uh, get knocked down folks. I'd be happy to provide some links. I, Remember, I, I, I love when people are like obsessed with a group that everyone else dismisses. Well, I like that at the time that they were uh, doing tub thumping, yeah. they would appear on um, TV shows. And they'd have like t-shirts that said one hit wonder. And, like, they, knew, they knew what was going on. So they were shows, it, shows a good sense of humor. Yep. Yep. Uh, Edward uh, writes uh, to Sarah. I was listening to Chumbawamba only days ago. So please, Sarah, provide us with some links. And if they knock me down, I'll just get up again. And uh, <laughs> ha ha, we have a taker, says Sarah. Now comes the challenge of selecting a reasonable number of representative songs. Oh, no, we've gone full Weezer here. Uh, <laughs> I'll put together a YouTube playlist. Now, listen, we've heard Edward responding to letters, but uh, how about Edward talking uh, to himself? Uh, or not for himself, by himself, of himself. <laughs> talking to himself? <laughs> yes, talking to himself. How about listen, listen in. <laughs> talking about himself? Uh, yeah, again, I'm going squirrely, man. I ended up in a closet earlier this week. Um, Having some preposition problems. Was, yeah, I was, but I'm still able to talk right now, so I'm still reading. Yeah, uh, I recommend though, that you get that cream preposition H to help you out with this problem. Oh. Even though I was in terrific shape as a youth, I was never much of a sporty kid growing up. I could run, swim, and cycle, but it was all because I wanted to do it myself, not on a team. I played tennis and golf in high school and college, but just uh, as a class, not on a team. I enjoyed both sports with friends. And even though I golf badly, I still have fun with it. Dad was a huge baseball enthusiast. And to this day, always has a baseball biography near his chair that he's reading. Dad raised me watching baseball. And being originally from Chicago, uh, we were a Cubs family. White Sox, too, depending on if they were in Dallas to play the Texas Rangers. <laughs> the Cubs were a National League, so they didn't travel down here uh, like they do now. Instead, Dad and I watched them for years on WGN from Chicago. Me too. There you are. Uh, are you his dad? No, I just also watched the That's other more thing. than one, more than two people watched that watched WGN. Whenever we go uh, back to visit Chicago in the summer, we try and secure tickets and see the Cubs at Wrigley Field, which was truly an experience. You can imagine how happy I was uh, a little over four years ago when the Cubs made it to the World Series and narrowly beat Cleveland 
in Game 7. That was a night I will never forget. I was glued to the TV, and it was glorious as the Cubs finally won their first World Series championship in 108 years. I don't think uh, I was, uh, I don't ever think I was so happy and relieved at the same time. I was crying tears of joy that night. My Cubs ended their losing drought. <laughs> Good for them. Uh, I also enjoy the Olympics when they're on. It's fun to get caught up in the competitions, both summer and winter. Uh, pick one, pick a side. What do you? <laughs> um, some years are uh, better than others, depending on the politics of the teams and athletes going on in the background. I do enjoy seeing the skill that these athletes have spent most of their lives preparing for, and I know it's not an easy life, so I feel like I'm watching an enormous payoff when Olympic athletes are competing. I agree, and also they compete in sports that most people don't don't follow as a regular thing, so it's so nice to have this giant platform that can expose like a whole bunch of different uh, you know, athletic you know, not like people aren't just like regularly tuning in to watch gymnastics competitions or or see what's happening in in the luge these days. You know, so it's it's nice when it's it's presented in this way that kind of you know pumps it all up and makes it all very exciting. And suddenly we do care about who won the luge and get to watch that Canadian fellow walk through the streets of Whistler, randomly taking a mug of beer off a table and drinking it as he as he triumphantly walks through this town. You know, just stuff like that. You know that you can't. You know. He couldn't do that in just a regular. He's you know his regular life, but there, just this one moment, you know, to yeah. be. You can't do it anymore. Can't drink someone's beer. Not this day, you contagious age. <laughs> yes, so. Uh, continuing the letter, Edward writes, uh, "I'm going to run with something Sarah wrote about above me." Not a chumbawamba again. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. Takes a whiskey drink. Takes a cider drink. <laughs> uh, I was a fan as a kid, uh, just like everyone else at school. We talk about it first thing in class every Wednesday morning since the show uh, was in the Tuesday evening time slot for years. But did you know Happy Days was a spinoff? In 1972, Gary Marshall wrote Love and the Happy Days for the anthology series Love American Style. That segment gave birth to the Cunningham family, which along with the popularity of George Lucas's American Graffiti a year later, helped launch Happy Days. Technically, uh, maybe Marshall's uh, segment he wrote for Love American Style was more of a pseudo pilot, but I've heard uh, it referred to as the original television show that Happy Days was spun off from. Yep, you are correct. Only to produce almost a half dozen more spinoffs in the following years. More than that, I would say. Huh. More than that, yeah. uh, I would say. You got your love. Uh, you got your Laverne and Shirley. You got your Mark and Mindy. You got your um, uh, what was it? The one with Ransom, uh, the Angel. You got that. You got your Blansky's Beauties. You got your Joni Loves Chachi. Uh, you got your cartoon series. Oh, you got, did I say Mork and Mindy already? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But I'm going to go with Mork and Mindy, the animated series. Oh. You've got Fonzie uh, traveling through time in the animated series. You've got Laverne and Shirley uh, joining the army in the animated series. And those are just the ones that I can remember. There's probably other ones that I'm uh, not uh, not remembering. Wow. Um, Edward goes on to write. All of Dave's Dark Shadows talk... Oh, we haven't had our Dark Shadows moment yet. Um, all of Dave's Dark Shadows talk has led me to uh, to asking my mom if she watched the show when it was uh, on back during its run. She didn't follow Dark Shadows faithfully, but watched it uh, from some time before jumping over to another soap opera. Mom was stunned to hear that it was on Tubi and available for free all these years later. I vaguely remember the show myself being very young at the time. I may have seen it while my mom watched it. My recollection, my recollection for Dark Shadows is mainly from the Milton Bradley game 
my folks bought me when I was a kid. I could never forget that. I played this game with friends for years. The cover has Barnabas on the box, mm. and the game is played by spinning a spinner that lands on part of a skeleton. Uh, each player has a miniature standee on which to hang the skeleton on. The first player to compete an entire skeleton piece by piece wins. I remember this as well. All the parts of the game yeah, I don't remember this at all. are collected and stored in a plastic coffin, too. Oof. I suspect that this was from Hangman, and they found the bits, and then and incorporated into this, because that feels very Hangman. Um, but the was there, like, an actual physical Hangman game that you... Would... I think that's what's being said, yeah. Like, you... Uh, you uh, you uh, you had a miniature standee to hang the skeleton on, and then you completed uh, completed the entire skeleton piece by piece. But I mean, yeah. in, but I mean, in Hangman, the goal is to not complete the. Well, the goal is well, your goal is not to, but as you fail, yeah, you get more of this more of the body is put onto the Hangman's noose, hmm. and so then when you're the full body, it's curtains for you, and you didn't get your word. <laughs> that's what they used to do in old times when they were going to hang a person. Uh, they would go like, but you got to guess this word first. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not good with words. Um, <laughs> the bonus item was a pair of glow-in-the-dark plastic bangs, just like Barnabas. I remember putting them under my pillow to see if the Tooth Fairy would take them. Oh, you're lucky the devil didn't show up. <laughs> Which didn't happen, obviously. Then I remember wearing the fangs uh, while trying to eat a bologna and mustard sandwich, thinking they would help me eat the uh, sandwich faster. No, blood pudding. That would you need that faster. It just made a huge mess. And the mustard permanently stained the fangs. Oh, I'm so sorry. For as long as I had them. Here's a link to the game and what it looked like. So we've got the uh, link there as well. Please check that out. Um, cool. I'm just going to burn through to the end. Sure, sure. Uh, Chris Roberts writes, My eldest son, Hamish, is a big football fan. That's proper football, you understand. The one you guys call soccer. I do not call it soccer, sir. For some perverse reason. Uh, we had some fantastic times going on. I call it footy. We are going to the Dundee uh, United matches together when we were in his teens. Well, when he was in his teens. I don't think Chris was in his teens at the time either, well, though. Maybe he was. Maybe, you know. Yeah. Teenagers. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's something <laughs> compelling about following a team, getting to know their different personalities, and riding the ups and downs through the arc of a season with them. Also, a great game delivers dramatic tension and emotional payoffs. Uh, they can put many movies to shame, like Wonder Woman puts that movie to shame. <laughs> so many emotional payoffs. They were halfway there to shame anyway. Don't worry about <laughs> it. What I really have no time for is nationalism in sport. I enjoy the World Cup, but purely for the quality of the matches, and have no interest in which country any particular team or player comes from. I guess that could change if Scotland ever wins a major trophy. Uh, though when that happens, I'll probably be too distracted by all the flying pigs. <laughs> As we call them here, pigos. Um, <laughs> I'm with Louise on the best spinoffs. Fraser and Lou Grant were the first that came to mind. Uh, Rhoda was pretty good, too, for a while. And then she just uh, she got divorced. Why are you getting divorced, Rhoda? Don't be that. Of course, some folk reckon The Prisoner was a sequel to Danger Man slash Secret Agent Man. I say fooey to that. Why do you say fooey to that? Maybe it was Defend yourself, Chris. Maybe it was a prequel. That's interesting with Fraser and Lou Grant. They were very tonally different than the series that uh, preceded them. Maybe that was uh, what made them uh, so strong to be judged on their own merit. You mean Fraser being different tonally to Cheers? I think so, yeah. And that it was such a serious show that... Well, it wasn't serious, but it was Solving very, crimes in Seattle with a detective. It was very highbrow. 
Oh, uh, okay. Uh, oh, Do you think it was really highbrow? I think it was fake highbrow. Well, it was but... faux highbrow, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, Cheers was working class mooks, you know, and then Fraser was the... I can, that, so. I can never get over the scrambled eggs and salad or whatever, the tossed salad and I just, they can never, once that was spoken, I couldn't just, there's nothing funny about that show. It was all ashes. Other people uh, disagree. Uh, but what do you think, before you go on, yeah. let's let's address this controversy that, that Chris has brought up. Do you think, do you, do you agree with this idea that um, The Prisoner is not a sequel to, I do think that Patrick McGowan was was playing off of his character as as Danger Man, as as Secret Agent, when when he you know like the whole opening sequence of of um, the prisoner plays on on that idea. I don't understand why Chris doesn't think maybe he just thinks it's a different character. Uh, in the same way that I feel that Roger Moore was doing the Saint when he was doing his James Bond, mm-hmm. you know the the thing that preceded is the thing that followed, and also you know uh, Remington Steele. It's kind of uh, very James Bondy, you know. I don't think you get to do that. Uh, but let's see. Uh, is it? Uh, boy, is it? Is it a prequel? <laughs> it's so mystical and so weird. Yeah, but that's what makes it kind of fascinating. The idea that the idea of it uh, of it as a, as a you know sequel or as a continuation of the story of Danger Man that it goes from this very prosaic you know, kind of weekly adventure series so suddenly becoming like this weird head-scratching metaphysical exploration of, of you know, human identity and, and uh, our place. I don't know, it's just kind of a fun, fun continue, you know, it's not a continuation, of course, it's like a complete volt face in terms of like what is Here, the subject matter, but... Here's where I go again with uh, my fan fiction headcanon All right. situation. I would have a, th- a thing where, because, it, it, again, uh... Not to spoil uh, Prisoner, but The Prisoner has... You can watch it in almost any order, and it makes sense. Like you can watch the last episode, then the first episode, and it all mm, things. <laughs> um, so I would, I would say that uh, it's saying something different, where he's like, I'm not a number, I'm a free man. I'm my own individual. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that um, he is a different person than Secret Agent Man. But I think... Danger Man is a different person than Secret Agent Man. I think they're all agents. They just for some reason happen to look exactly alike and sound exactly alike, and they think they're individuals. They are not. And this is their first attempt to try and, after they've used these agents who are not individuals, they are very much the same, whether they're clones or whatever you want to do. Maybe they get a plastic surgery to look alike. But this is what an agent looks like. It always looks like this guy, always sounds like this guy. So when they're done, they've got to break that. They got to break that and just go like, "Look, man, you're just a number. I'm gonna, we're gonna reveal to you what you are, and you've got to deal with the fact that you were a number. You were not an individual person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the truth. You're not. And and that and they find that out on the island. And so you know, at the end, you know, maybe I don't want to say what happens at the end, but like maybe you know, someone else comes to the island. Maybe someone else comes to the island that's like another agent that you think is might be the same guy, but maybe he's not. And maybe each time we're seeing a different uh, agent going through this process. It's not necessarily the same guy. So uh, there you go. I say there's three different agents. Okay. The whole thing is he is not a free man. He's actually a number. <laughs> Edward Dragansky writes, allow me to suggest a question of the week no. for the next podcast. 
Oh, okay. Well, geez. All right, we need one. So, yeah, hit me with this. Having discussed the dawn of electronic games like Merlin and Simon, uh, what traditionally uh, do you remember uh, playing before the electronic games became popular? Do you, did you grow up playing board games or cards with your family or friends? Uh, which ones were your favorite or least favorite? Which board games are considered classics like chess is making a big comeback? Uh, but sexy drug chess. Um, <laughs> I, I thought of this after researching the Dark Shadows game I posted about earlier. I thought that everyone here is old enough to remember, hey, to remember playing traditional board games. We have a very youthful audience. Yeah, we, and I have I have young kids who are, or not young kids, but I have young adults in my house who still play board games. So. Okay. Before the arrival of electronic digital games, and I was wondering what memories my fellow sneakers had of those. Okay, so we're going to make that one of our questions. One of our questions is... Yep. Uh, I like uh, it. I love uh, it. We're taking electronic games out of the mix. What were your favorite uh, games that you would play with uh, family or growing up? I'd say my favorite was Gambler. It was a gambling game. Uh, so maybe I'd like the stock market. We'd shake these <laughs> dice that would come down a tube. Uh, I really liked that very, very much. And you'd play different gambling <laughs> games. And you have to put money into the kitty and the... It's a drawing of a kitty there, which was uh, amusing. Uh, so that was my favorite. We also would play a lot of uh, Sorry. Play a lot of that. And then with my grandmother, she taught me how to play poker and gin rummy and blackjack. So when I was over at their place, uh, my grandparents' place, I would play those games. Hmm. Yeah. We were a crib family. We play a lot of cribbage. That's a big card game. I still play cribbage a lot with the girls. Yeah. Um, we also, and we'd always have a popular card game that would like, sweep the family for a while and then we would move on to a different one so maybe for a while we'd play something like it was called seven up and i can't remember the rules of it anymore and we would just we'd play it and and my grandma with my grandma we we couldn't just play cards we always had to have a a penny ante yeah in a card here. game she would refuse it wasn't, it wasn't for money it was bullshit yeah she had no interest in that so we always had to have like a penny like a like a a jar of pennies or whatever to, to ante for games like this and and uh yeah so that was and then board games I wasn't. I liked board games to a degree. Like I was. I, I liked Clue, and I liked Risk a lot. And then I. But I liked games like Connect Four. I thought that was a lot of fun. And I. I liked Othello. And I liked playing uh, back, uh, Backgammon. Is that what it's called? Where you, yeah, Backgammon. Yeah. And then and then um, yeah. And then other game, hard, hard games like you know Crazy Eights and games like that that were that were just for fun. We were a real card playing family when I was a kid. But those were those were the games we played a lot. I've only learned how to shuffle in the last year. Wow! I mean, I'm not a great shuffler either. I never learned to. I'm not good at it, but like it was uh, just something I I went like you know what I'm under a, you know, this quarantine thing. I should learn how to shuffle cards. So just been practicing shuffling cards. Yeah. Uh, will I be any good at it by the time I get out? <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. That's our question then. Is what was a what's your game from your youth? I would also like to throw in this question. Sure. Because I'm Johnny uh, Fix a Movie. Uh, are there any movies <laughs> you would fix? Like there's a movie that you're like, oh, you know, I kind of like this movie, but there's a big flaw in it. Here's how I would fix that, and then it would be a better movie. So, you know, one of my things for Wonder Woman would be uh, don't have Steve possess a person. That doesn't work at all. doesn't help. Uh, yeah, get rid of that. There, that helps fix that movie. Uh, but yeah, how would you fix a movie? With my brain. There you are. Uh, can, can I read some emails? Can I read some emails? Oh, yeah, you can. But then we do need a very brief 
uh, Dark Shadows uh, update. Okay, Okay, I got some emails to read. So thank you, everyone, for writing in. Thank you for writing in to the website, everybody. And now we're going to read some emails that came in. This is from Matthew Smith, and it is titled, Episode 476 Questions. He says, can't guarantee my answers to Captivate, but it's been a while since I've responded slash commented on an episode, which doesn't mean I'm not faithfully listening so much as I'm busy and lazy and lazy. Any roads, though aware of podcasts, I paid them little mind until three years or so back. Read of one featuring two girls discussing unsolved cold cases. Sounds interesting, I thought. Turns out, not so much. But started me thinking maybe there's a Beatles podcast. Boy, howdy, are there. I found, checked out, and enjoyed a couple. When looking for more, somewhere during these searches, I stumbled across Completely Beatles. Simultaneously, I enjoyed those while wondering, what, what's up with this sneaky dragon stuff? Long story short, finished the Beatles podcast and checked out the then most current sneaky dragon episode. Thought, hey now, I can relate to this. Partly, I think because of shared experience, cultural touchstones and so forth, you guys and I being roughly in the same age group. I've since listened to most of the old episodes while keeping up with the new In Addition to Listening Party and the other side projects. Projects? TV shows, too many to mention through the years. Mad Men, The Wire, Buffy, always have time for an old episode of Sanford and Son or The Munsters. Doctor Who, of course. Most anything British, Britcom, Masterby Theatre, Britbox, Acorn-related. Sincerely and whatnot, Matt Smith, the one from Texas, not, unfortunately, the one who got to hang with Jenna Coleman. (laughs) Thank you. And then Brent Tannehill wrote to say... My favorite sport is pickleball. Ah. I have heard of this sport, but I have not played it. My Our friends uh, David and Allison play pickleball. Uh, okay. It seems like a lot of our group who are playing um, volleyball together moved on to, to pickleball. So I'm not very happy with pickleball as a destroyer of my fun. It's like a cross between tennis and ping pong. It's the fastest growing sport in the United States. Oddly enough, there is no pickle involved in the sport. You have a paddle bigger than a ping-pong paddle, and a wiffle ball. A net is involved, just like tennis, but on a smaller scale. If you do a Google search of pickleball in the city that you live in, you will probably find a local pickleball group. That's from Brent. Thank you very much, Brent. And then... Oh, sorry, say that again. I said thanks, Brent. Oh, you, I thought you said thanks to me, so I, don't bother repeating oh, that. Oh, Dave, thanks, thanks to you. Oh, thank oh, You're welcome. Uh, Kenan Grawl writes to us, Kenan Grawl. Writes to say, hey, sneakaroos, like kangaroos, but they'll knock you out before you even know they're there. (laughs) I don't have a sport I follow. I'm afraid I'm exactly who you'd expect to listen to your podcast. Well, I did say that this is probably not going to be a very popular question, but I was curious. TV, though? Get me started. Favorite spinoff? I'd consider MASH a spinoff from the movie. And while I'm not obsessed with it, I get sucked in whenever it comes on. And now I will add a favorite based on rumor. Pushing daisies. If Dead Like Me had continued, the pie maker was apparently to be introduced as a foil for George and the Reapers because there was to be an episode <clears throat> there was to be an episode where they couldn't collect souls from people who were being touched by a mysterious stranger. Alas, the show died and we got pushing daisies instead. But that's where its origins lay. Technicalities. You hate them? I love them. That's really interesting. Okay, yeah. Speaking I mean, of I pushing... Like, I, like, sorry. I like both of those shows, let me just say. Okay. I'm glad that we got both of them, and I wish there was more Pushing Daisies. Hmm, I don't think I saw... I, I don't think... I saw one episode of Dead Like Me. 
I don't think I saw Pushing Daisies. I remember hearing about it, but I didn't mm-hmm. didn't catch it at the time. Speaking of Pushing Daisies and Dead Like Me, I was obsessed with Brian Fuller's earlier one season wonder show, Wonderfalls, about a twenty something Niagara Falls souvenir shop clerk going nowhere who starts hearing voices from anything with an animal face that won't stop bugging her unless she starts helping people. I loved it. Incidentally, I discovered once I started dating my now wife that the voice of a lot of the animals is actually her uncle Ted. Haha! <laughs> Small town Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I really like that uh, show as well. I like Pushing Daisies a bit more, but yeah, w- yeah, Wonder Wonderfalls was uh, was definitely good. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Actually, how did I not even hear about it? That's my question. I think I was working a lot at that time. Yeah, that could be. And they're 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 not the most mainstream shows. And I was so, a young dad. But uh, you know, uh, search them out. They're on your uh, you know they're on your TV somewhere. And I won't go into my obsession with Degrassi again, which I recorded <laughs> off TV until I had the whole series across 11 tapes and watched again and again. But I also did the same until I had six full tapes of a series called Press Gang. Oh, you've mentioned this before, Kanan, and it sounds very good. This was around the same time as Degrassi, shown in the afternoon, but it was a UK ITV show about a school newspaper staffed by misfits and last hope students, but led by a driven A student wannabe journalist exasperated with the getting the school off cuts. Judy Sawala from the, from Absolutely Fabulous, uh, she played Safi. Uh, Dexter Fletcher played her love interest, Spike. Oh, Dexter Fletcher is now he the director of like Rocket Man? That's right, and he also stepped in to direct uh, the Queen one as well. Uh, whatever that one was oh, called. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was also in. Um, he was also in Prime Suspect. He was one of the one of the detectives working with Helen Mirren. Oh, cool! But anyway, Dexter Fletcher, not Dex- Dexter Jester. I know you're getting them confused. <laughs> played her love interest Spike, a truly great will they won't they romance, and it was incredibly witty. It was created by Stephen Moffat long before he revamped Doctor Who, and like Degrassi, it quite often tackled serious topics, but it was more a comedy with mystery puzzles to solve. Sorry, mystery slash puzzles to solve. They were journalists, after all. It is so worth tracking down, though I bet you could only get it from the UK or Australia. Good for anyone with a cheap-ass multi-region DVD player, though. Also... Sorry for last week suggesting a question that encouraged so much praise for the show. How embarrassing for you guys. Yikes. You guys suck. It's why I've hung around for seven years. Keep on sucking, Kanan. But then he also says, he writes next, he says, I meant eight years. Also spinoffs, sort of. But you asked me what Banana Man was, and it's kind of a spinoff of the goodies. And that it was made by the goodies. It was just a goofy little five-minute cartoon that used to run between kids' programs about a boy named Eric who, when he ate an ordinary banana, became the superhero Banana Man. His recurring nemesis was Apple Man. That's all. It's as silly as it sounds, but if they can make a decent modern tick show, well, anything's possible for two seasons. That's me done. I still don't follow sport. Kanan. So thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for the letter. There, there was a show in the late 70s or mid-70s and I, uh, this is what I remember of it. Uh, one of the characters was a nerd, and uh, and it was a Saturday morning show. And uh, if someone ever said the word banana, he would go crazy, and he would be incredible, get incredibly strong, and start throwing people around. <laughs> and I remember nothing else but like this guy who would, and he would. This is a fellow who later on did a lot of dramatic acting as well. <laughs> but yeah, he played a nerd on this show. Set, someone said the word banana, you go crazy, yeah. throw people around. It loses mind. 
Hmm. So you can never say banana around it. Does anyone remember what this show was? <laughs> He's putting that out there. Yep. Okay. And I just want to say one more thing before we before we get to dark to uh, dark shadows or dark talk. Uh, I just want to thank Peter Ayers, listener Peter Ayers, who sent me uh, a graphic novel in in the mail, and I have not got. I read a page of it, Peter, so I haven't gotten very far with it. But I, I'll talk about it more next next week because I am. I swear, we had a bit of snow this week. That's what stopped me from from uh, delivering the chocolates to Ian. But I'm going to deliver them next week. This I swear upon the grave of my dear departed aunt. I don't know which aunt. I don't. Even, I only had one aunt pass away. Anyway, uh, but I yeah, I promise that I will get I will get get those to you, and then we'll discuss Peter's the book that Peter sent to me, and also the other book because they are kind of related to each other, and so I just want to. I want to talk about it then. Now, Dork Shadows. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what's been happening in, in, in Dark Shadows, everyone? Well, man, I can't remember we left off last time, but let's just say that we still have the following problems. We have Maggie, still the possible target of Barnabas, who wants to kill her because he's afraid that she can identify him. And so all that's saving her from Barnabas's murderous desire is the doctor, Julia Hoffman, who has been pretending to be a historian, but has been in secret working to cure Barnabas of his vampirism by giving him a series of shots. Oh. And so, but because she's so driven by this experiment that she is going along with his evilness in order, so like, she's, he's like, I have to kill Maggie. She's like, well, if it's going to keep, keep this experiment going, I guess that's what we have to do. So she's not being entirely good as a person all right and then we also have sarah the ghost of barnabas's sister who died at 10 years old or just before she turned 10 she of course says she saved maggie from Mm -hmm. twice she saved her from barnabas's uh prison in the prison in the bottom of the house but she also saved her from being locked in the institution that that uh, julia hoffman had her locked in she also is a friend of david she plays with david and appears off and on with him and she showed him a secret. She showed showed him the secret um, room that's in the Collins family crypt. That if you pull this r- ring that hangs from a lion's mouth, it will open a door and let you into this little room where Barnabas was locked for years inside a coffin wrapped in chains. Yeah. And so, you know, this is like a place that she takes him to play. It seems very weird, but he goes in there with her, of course, and this is kind of neat to, to a kid. Now... Everyone is wondering about the Sarah girl because she appeared to, to Maggie's dad. Remember, she told him where he would find Maggie. Mm-hmm. She's appeared to Maggie. She's appeared with to David, and she appeared to she's appeared to um, Willie, the the guy who started all this by freeing Barnabas and who's now Barnabas's uh, kind of menial slave. And so, but never to Barnabas, which is driving him crazy because this is the sister that he once loved and thought loved him. And but she won't appear to him, so she doesn't. He doesn't understand what's happening. But he keeps like she keeps like getting in his way. Like he was going to go and like bite uh, Vicky, the the nanny at the house, on the neck, but and turn her into his next victim, want to become his Josette. But he was stopped by Sarah's voice singing, um, "London Bridge is falling down," and he recognized her voice. And then he it drives you know it kind of makes him not do that. And he also she also did that when he went to kill Maggie as well. So she's like getting in the way of his plans, but is not appearing to him. So then Maggie's father and Maggie's boyfriend, Joe, 
decide they really need to find Sarah because this is the girl that knows so much and he, he, she must know who kidnapped Maggie before. So they're trying to find her. And so they go to David and they ask him, you know, who Sarah is, can you find her, you know, and stuff. And so David's really eager to find her, but then uh, he's kind of dissuaded, you know, it's dinner time. He shouldn't be going out and stuff like that, but he sneaks out to go and find Sarah. And he does, he does find her. But of course, she's so she's a ghost. So she comes and goes, uh, but you know, it just as she as she as she feels like it. So suddenly, he's just by himself, and Barnabas and Willie are out doing something. And so he goes to hide, and he hides in that in the crypt inside the cell. Okay. And he and the and so when when um he closes the door, and so now he's trapped inside. And of course, Barnabas and Willie go in. They actually do go into the cell as well, but they don't find him in there because because um. David hides in the coffin. But then when they leave, they lock the door again. And now David doesn't know how to get out. And so it, it becomes like this tense thing where everyone's like looking for him and he's trapped in there. But Barnabas is looking for him too because he he's going to kill David. Because okay. David David has talked to Sarah and maybe knows who who he is. So he wants to kill he wants to kill Maggie and he wants to kill David. And so he and Willie are looking for him to kill him, and the others are looking for him to save him, and the police start looking for him and everything. But he's trapped in this crypt. And he, he can't get out. He doesn't know how to get out of there because there's like a secret way to get out that he can't see. And so there's this really great sequence where Joe and Maggie's father go to the cemetery on Joe's desire. And the dad thinks this is just a waste of their time. And they go there and they go into the crypt. But, but David has fallen asleep because he's been there all night. He's actually there for two days. Mm. And so he's falling asleep and they're in there. And it's like, so you're just like, so on edge. You're like, come on, David, wake up. They're in there. Oh my gosh. Come on, just wake up. And then of course he's just sleeping. And when they leave, he is, he's awakened by them closing the door, but he can't, they can't hear him calling. And so um, what saves him is Sarah finally appears and she shows him the secret way out to pull back this little stone on the step. And there's a button there that will re- release the door. And so he escapes, but he ends up in the clutches of Barnabas. Who, oh, no. who wants him to wants to take him to the house, but at the last minute, some uh, other people show up, and uh, he has to pretend that he was just like rescuing him and and everything, and so that's kind of where I've left off. Where the last little bit was, the doctor is suspecting that is you know he knows he says I know this is crazy, but I think Sarah is a ghost. I think something supernatural is going on here, and everyone's like kind of like oh I think this is a bit far fetched as far as theories go, doctor. And uh, yeah, so um, he he also he also fired Julia Hoffman as as Maggie's doctor. He thinks that she's she's not working in her best interests. So uh, so that's good and bad because she wasn't, but also she was protecting her from Barnabas by keeping her amnesia going. So so things are taking a turn here. <laughs> so there we go. That's uh, where we are now. Nice. All right, we are up to date. <laughs> we are well done. Um, hey folks, we are, uh, we are going to wrap it up here because we've been talking for 17 hours, um, <laughs> which is fine. It's absolutely fine. What are we else going to do? Yeah. You know me, you know, I got, uh, I got to go wander around the house and find, uh, closets to go into. Um, if you want well, I guess to respond, no one can hit you with a soccer ball in a closet. Please do. Oh man, that was not pleasant. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we're asking you, uh, two things. One, what was a game? That uh, was like your family game that you like to play uh, when you were uh, younger. Or hell, now. What's your go-to game now is also fine. Uh, and also, can you fix a movie? What's a movie that needs fixing? Fix that movie. 
and uh, here's where you should post your fixins. One, you can just do what Dave was uh, uh, doing, which is an email. Oh, my gosh. Sneaky D at SneakyDragon.com. That is Sneaky D at SneakyDragon.com. Uh, so simple to remember. Uh, if you want to go to our website, SneakyDragon.com, we have every one of our episodes there. Underneath each episode is a message board space posted there, and we will probably respond to you and more than likely read out loud as we as we do. As Dave was also saying, we've got Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. We will try putting the questions up on Twitter and make that a little easier for you. And also we're on Tumblr at Tumblr um, dot uh, Sneaky Dragon uh, dot Tumblr dot com. There, that's where we are at. We're at nothing else. We're not. <laughs> we're on Instagram, but only our personal accounts and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I am going to throw a plug in again for uh, this comic that uh, me and my wife Pia Guerra just put out. Uh, which is called Super, and that is at our hellkitty.com uh, uh, site. And you go hellkitty.com slash super, uh, you will be taken right there. And you can, uh, hey, click on it. And uh, if you want to uh, pay for it, that's great. If you want to get it for free, that's great too. That's all well and good. Uh, all, all nice and nice. Uh, I have uh, two other comic things that are out. One is called Exorcisters. There's two volumes of that out. Volume 1 and 2, available at local bookstores or comicsology.com that I do with Giselle Legacy. And with my friend David here, uh, I do a series of books called Sparks uh, mm -hmm. for Scholastic's graphics uh, line. I write them, Dave colors them, and our friend Nina Matsumoto uh, draws them. And everyone's uh, that I work with is brilliant. Um, <laughs> we've got two of the books out. The, the most recent one is called Sparks Double Dog Dare. That is available in your local bookstore or wherever you get books. And uh, occasionally it is a bestseller in Canada. Occasionally. And uh, like the last couple of weeks, uh, out of the top 10, uh, we've been 11. Oh, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> driving me crazy. That's your so stock close. market. That's your stock market. You're uh, going the edge. the edge. You can you can change that, though, by buying it. Mm -hmm. uh, so go to Canada and buy it. That would really help us out. <laughs> and uh, I just saw the cover for... Or the cover, rough cover sketch for the third book uh, today, oh, and uh, I have not uh, seen it. Oh, that's a good design. That's a nice design. That's good. I'm glad to hear uh, that. It's very, very good. So, yeah, it's, cool. uh, it's a treat working with the people I get to work with. I'm <laughs> very, very lucky, and uh, and I hope you enjoy uh, the stuff that we are doing, including this. And can uh, I just can I add one little one little plug? Please. Just to say that uh, the latest episode of Listening Party came out on thursday and uh give it a listen everybody we finish off the current mixtape we're we're on and then next time we're going to take a little detour and uh i've got a top 20 of 20 so some of some of my favorite songs from 2020 will be our next episode fantastic and all the past episodes of stinky dragon listening party uh, are also uh up and listenable yes. too and i'd like to remind you that the uh co-host of the show has been vaccinated <laughs> she so, has. She got her booster shot too, so she is fully she vaccinated. Is, she is uh, covered uh, quite well. So, if you want to listen to the safest podcast you can listen to, and go like, oh, <laughs> I wish at least one of the hosts was uh, not contagious. Mm -hmm. uh, there you go. Boom. That's covered. the one. Well, maybe she could be contagious, but she, but you know what I'm talking about. She's uh, she's good. So it's, it's safer. Listen, hey, listen to the podcast for its own reasons. <laughs> um, and we'll let you know when we get the shot. Yeah, we're in that uh, area where uh, we're not quite old enough yet. Uh, we're the young bucks. We're the young. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Apparently, they're doing podcasters last. That's what I heard from the. 
By the way, this is kind of a funny, uh, maybe it's not a funny thing, but, but I find it funny. Let me be the judge of it. All right. Is that uh, one of the reasons I liked working on Mad Magazine mm-hmm. was because uh, I was one of the youngest guys there. Just <laughs> love that because everyone, seriously, like, you know, like, hey, you're the guy that is Spy versus Spy, 99. You know, and just like the other, you know, it's like, hey, Al Jaffe, you know, again, 99. Um, you know, youthful, uh, yeah, you know, a yeah. surgery ergonomist in his 80s. Yeah. So, like, okay, it's nice to be one of the young bucks. And, sure. And so now I'm doing a, a comic strip that we're trying to right now. We're, we're in the we're in the state last stages of getting a syndicated comic strip, my wife and I. Mm. And uh, and again, there's little clues as to the age range of the people that are normally doing comic strips. Yeah. So you know, um, like uh, we had to send our stuff via Cyberduck, which it's like Cyberduck. What is? Yeah, I never yeah. heard of that. Yeah, it's from about 15 years ago. Okay. Like, like honestly, you would not have heard about it if you like. It's so what? Like you might as well just say GeoCities. <laughs> Angel Fire. Angel Fire yeah. yeah, it's just like we're we're a step beyond. <laughs> we're a step away from fax me that cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah again, I'm feeling very youthful in this uh, thing where I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm just imagining right. the website is has a purple background with yellow writing on it. Sure, and like a little uh, counter in the corner, you see how many people like. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, uh, love it. Mwah, so beautiful. <laughs> and instead of one of the icons, it's like a little uh, figure from Doom. The one of the monsters is just running at you. Like, yeah. What? That <laughs> anyway, uh, I've given you all the information that I think I possibly can give. Sure can. So let me I mean, sure did. Make sure what? I just said sure did. Not sure did. Sure. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, so uh, listen. We're, we're, we're just wishing you the best. We want you to stay healthy, mm-hmm. um, uh, be good to each other, and we will talk to you in uh, you know, about a week. How's that sound? Meet you back here. I think, I think exactly in a week. Well, it depends when you decide to listen. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's up to you. It's mm. your call. You can just save them all up and binge them. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I can't. I've got to do this shit in real time. <laughs> you have powers I do not have out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. listener, gentle listener. Uh, you can pause this and walk away. I had to, you know, I had to pee very quickly. Anyway, all right. <laughs> That's enough of that. Let's end on that. Bye. Bye. Thank you.